Cleveland, Ohio. A land of strange rituals. The savage horrors of fearsome mutated beasts. Back from the dead. Kept alive by experimental science. Science runs amok when human beings tamper with unknown forces. Cut the power! Now at last, the real shocking story can be told. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls. We did it. By the seat of my pants, this show is ready-ish. <laughs> uh, but anyway, welcome to the program. Michelle, hello. Happy Friday. Hello. Happy Friday to you. And we're getting our J&J hopefully on the 14th. Yippee. All right. Very good. And Miles, welcome back. Uh, soon to have J&J. Johnson Johnson. Hello, Miles. Did you push the button? Talking. There you go. I okay, there you go. Hi there. And uh, Joe, uh, Joe Santorso, welcome to the program, sir. How are you tonight? Hey, I'm getting my M&Ms. That's what I'm getting. Yeah, I'm getting... Uh, I'm getting uh, my first Moderna next uh, Friday, so hopefully... Fingers crossed. I don't uh, uh, get all <laughs> sick on the show or anything like that. Uh, but we will see. Uh, Susan just got her second Pfizer the other day, and she's doing well. She was just uh, really sleepy on the day that she got her second one. So, um, but yeah, so she's she, and, and in two weeks, well, less than two weeks, she'll be able to go and see people without, you know, she, she'll probably still wear a mask, of course, but you know get to hang out with people a little bit more. So, um, my mom's just glad that we can finally have Christmas. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just happy that our Twitter group actually suggested we try Walmart because I haven't shopped at Walmart for over a decade and a half. So, yeah, yeah. but you know, I'm going to get there, JJ, and I'll be de- vaccinated. Yay. <laughs> that is awesome. That is great to hear. So, um, all right, so welcome to the show. We have a lot of great stuff to talk about tonight. Uh, celebrity birthdays we're going to be discussing. Uh, Harry Morgan, Chuck Connors, Katie Sackhoff, Ivan Dixon uh, from Hogan's Heroes, and also was in our Twilight Zone episode that we're going to talk about later tonight, uh, which is a, a good one. And uh, let me see. Uh, yeah, we and, and of course, uh, Chuck Connors, Michelle's got a lot of great horror stuff to talk about. Oh, yeah. Regarding him, we have some great trailers for everybody to share. Um, uh, we don't have robots. We don't have another mythical minute from Adam. Uh, where'd you go, Adam? What happened? Um, <laughs> and uh, I know the 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 robots is my fault because uh, you know I uh, I forgot. <laughs> it's and, a busy week. <laughs> yeah, it has been a bit of a busy week. But yeah, so uh, I, I thought, you know, uh, uh, let's see. So we've got um, our birthdays. Harry Morgan uh, was born 1915, Detroit, Michigan. And of course, everybody knows and loves Harry Morgan from his iconic roles in MASH and Dragnet. 
We got his great barbecue sauce recipe last week on the show, uh, Bill Gannon's oh, yes. <laughs> barbecue sauce uh, recipe, you know. Uh, I think I'm going to be sick. Yeah, and don't forget. Yeah, no uh, ice cream, no. <laughs> yeah, but the great thing about it. You put it on lamb, you never know it's lamb. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> And uh, but yeah, so so this was a lot of fun uh, to to find some of his great moments. Uh, not a, not a ton of them, but you know, I there there are um, uh, you know I had the pleasure of interviewing Mike Farrell a couple times on my old show, and uh, he said what a, what a gut punch it was when uh, Harry Morgan uh, passed away. I think almost a decade ago, or maybe eleven years. Uh, I think he died in twenty ten, possibly. And, uh, but he said, he said Harry Morgan was truly like a father figure to him. And that was, that was very, very difficult. And I can see that because he was a, just a wonderful guy and he, he truly loved his wife. He actually had a real picture. I don't know if you guys knew this, a, a, a real photograph of his real wife on his desk in MASH. That was actually his, his cool. wife in real life. And yeah, December 7th, 2011. Okay, so yeah, so ten years ago, um, and uh, but yeah, so uh, some fun facts about him, uh, and you know, this is what I love because I've been obsessed about MeTV. Uh, is their website is really fun, and they have a lot of great fun facts. Uh, and oh, I forgot to get the horse hockey clip. I'll have to get that later. Oh no, that's a great so, one. <laughs> it is. It is. But, um, yeah, so uh, apparently um, he uh, had a, a quite a, he had a, a bit of an ordeal with his name early on. Uh, and uh, he was born Harry Bratsburg. And uh, when he was a student, his surname was incorrectly logged as Bratsburg with a U and not an E. But he just it says he, he was good natured and went along with it. And then uh, he was even billed as Harry Bratsburg on stage in uh, New York at one point. And then uh, when he made his uh, film debut as Mouthy in the 1942 war flick to the shores of Tripoli, he used the credit uh, Henry Morgan. However, there was a popular humorist with that name. The funny man Henry Morgan was a frequent panelist on I've Got a Secret. So uh, he at last settled on Harry Morgan. So uh, that was a, a little bit of a fun fact. Um, and um, uh, another another one was, uh, this isn't on the MeTV list, but something I discovered uh, today is he made an appearance on Dragnet on the radio show as like a some drug-addled uh, hotel clerk in a 1950 episode called, uh, I think it's called The Big Boys. Uh, I don't. I, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but uh, he um, he was actually on the um, yeah wait yeah yeah there it is oh yeah the big boys that's it and uh, that was actually on the MeTV site and um, you know I, I in in research I uh, you know uh, I saw some some fun archive interviews with him where he was discussing his relationship with Jack Webb and it seemed like they had a really nice relationship and actually had fun off, you know, uh, you know, off screen. They uh, have to because yeah. those characters were, <laughs> well, you know, the thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I, but there's, um, uh, I, but he, he was the comic foil for Friday because I mean, 
Joe Friday was like the most ridiculously serious character right. in the universe. And, and I found another funny little uh, clip from him <laughs> um, uh, from a, a Dragnet episode. How's it going, Joe? Getting a good rest? I was. Tell me about it. Back molar. Had it pulled this morning. Took out three over here last week. Right now, I'd sell my whole head for 10 cents. <laughs> wow. Sell my whole head for 10 cents. Uh, why not? So, uh, <laughs> there's... A <laughs> but, yeah, uh, you know, I but uh, I just love the, the, the comic foil, you know, uh, that he, he did on there. Especially that... I mean, I couldn't find anything that compared with the barbecue sauce recipe, uh, Joe. There was just nothing. <laughs> Did you try it? Not yet. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to be sick. Yeah. Uh, but if I ate it, if I ate it, I can tell you what. Right now, I'd sell my whole head for 10 cents. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, I'll tell you one thing. Wouldn't taste like lamb. No, that's the best part. That's the best part about it. Uh, you know. You put it on lamb, you never know it's lamb. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> go ahead. One of the things I do find fun about Harry Morgan is the you know the surname Morgan. That it's actually a a horse breed in the United States. Actually, it's one of the older horse breeds, so it's kind of fun because okay. you know more. Um, you met Colonel Potter in Mash loved horses. Yes, so that actually makes me smile. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I, I I forgot about that. He did love horses. And yeah, the Mor the Morgan horse breed is a is a very old breed of horses in the United States. So interesting. There you go. I did not know that. So um, for me, yeah, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, please. I was going to say my uh, Harry Morgan for me, my fond memory. Uh, I never was really into Dragnet, so it, it, I don't have any anything there. Uh, Mash, I've watched some episodes, so I'm familiar with him, but you know, nothing really stood out. So, what Harry Morgan, my favorite moment, is in Support Your Local Sheriff. In the scene where they were hiring the sheriff, uh, played by um, the Rockford file. James Garner. James Garner, thank you. And uh, he, uh, <laughs> James Garner, pulls out a washer from the, the store shelf and flips it in the air and shoots his gun at it. And, <laughs> it's like, well, could you do that demonstration again? And Harry Morgan puts a piece of tape on the washer, and then James Gunner's like, well, I already shot one hole in your roof. He's like, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, yeah, he shoots a hole through the washer, and then Harry Morgan's like, ah, I hope you didn't take any offense to anything I made. Mean, I said previously, like, nah, nah. So, yeah, that's my favorite Harry Morgan moment. Nice, nice. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, I, I wish I would have known that. I would have gotten you some audio for that. Um, and, uh, but yeah, and another fun fact, and apparently I don't know what happened to my clip here, but, uh, it's, uh, let me see what happens here. Yeah. The, something happened. That's the entire clip from my mystery in the air. Uh, I recorded that stupid thing and, and it didn't turn out, but, um, in 1947, uh, he was the, uh, narrator for the Peter Lorre uh, radio show called Mystery in the Air. Oh um, yes. I wish I would have gotten that audio because it was really, uh, you know, it it his voice voice sounded a little more youthful than uh, we were typically used to. Um, 
Now, uh, I, but I, I do love this in case we ever need to read anybody their Miranda rights on the show. We have Officer Bill Gannon uh, to do so. You have the right to remain silent. If you give up the right to remain silent, anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have the right to speak with an attorney and to have the attorney present during questioning. If you so desire and cannot afford one, an attorney will be appointed for you without charge before questioning. Now, do you understand that? Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, so I, I just uh, needed to get some more Bill Gannon in our... Because uh, uh, everybody everybody wants Joe Friday. Nobody, no, you know, nobody has Bill Gannon, you know. I just, like him, actually, because he seemed a little bit more personable to me so yeah there you go yeah any uh, uh another thing too yeah uh, he was a, a major family guy uh as well um for when he was colonel potter not a major but a colonel uh <laughs> when he was colonel potter on uh on mash he actually hung artwork that his grandkids uh would draw for him in the background uh in addition to having a, a picture of his wife on the wall and um uh, but yeah, it, it, the uh, the his real wife, you know, he would refer to Mildred uh, in, throughout the show, but it was actually his wife uh, uh, Eileen. Um, so, and they were married for forty five years until her death in nineteen eighty five. So, um, and but yeah, oh, his grandson uh, drew a picture of a horse behind his desk. So, uh, so that was okay. Fun. I actually, remember that picture? Actually, yeah. So. Uh, but and again, this this comes from the the Me TV's. All, all these little fun facts come from the Me TV article. Uh, Eight things you never knew about the great Harry Morgan by the Me TV staff. And um, but now I forgot completely about this, and I totally want to rewatch this movie. Did you guys have you guys all seen the 1987 Dragnet movie with Dan Aykroyd and Tom Hanks? Yes. It's long time ago. So ridiculous. Not recently enough to remember it. Yeah, so ridiculous and over the top. But um, he he became Captain Gannon in that. He 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 uh, came back as Bill Gannon, and uh, it sort of kind of uh, fused his persona of Bill Gannon and uh, Colonel Potter for it too. Um, but there, I, I found this great scene where. <laughs> You remember when um, uh, there, there was a scene where the, um, I, I forget the names of the characters that um, uh, Aykroyd and uh, uh, Hanks played, but they, you know, Aykroyd was channeling um, uh, Jack Webb very heavily, and I, he might have even been the son of Friday, I'm not sure. I think but, it was pretty close. Yeah. So uh, they they infiltrated the the pagan organization, and that movie yes. I'm sure is loaded with like because I think Artie Shaw might have been part of that too or somebody like that. There was there were a lot of real famous comedy faces in that movie, and um, but there was they apparently um, I, I think if I if I remember correctly they actually got wasted when they infiltrated it and they were wearing those big crazy fur pants yes. <laughs> and everything well they went back uh in the um to the offices to explain to gannon what had happened and i found a, a clip from that for to share with everybody friday january 9th 3 12 a.m we returned from anaheim where we had dropped off the virgin connie swale 
I telephoned Captain Gannon at home, waking him. Yes, sir. After absorbing several minutes of gratuitous verbal abuse, I requested him to meet us as soon as possible at his office. Come in. Evening, Captain. Captain. 3.35 a.m. We proceeded to relate the details of our successful follow-up on the pagan robberies and briefed Captain Gannon on the outlandish festival we had attended, even going so far as to demonstrate the goat dance which we had engaged in as part of our undercover role in the operation. At this point, Captain Gannon became quite upset, accused us of being on an all-night drinking binge, and based on our general appearance, seemed reluctant to contact the Sheriff's Department to investigate the area. Captain, if you will just call the sheriff's department, I have the direction of the compound right here in my pocket. And he throws a bunch of pills out on his desk. Hay fever? <laughs> Illegal narcotics, sir. Actually hallucinogenic love drugs. The pagans were taking them, we were trying to fit in. Uh-huh. If it weren't for the drugs, we couldn't have gotten away from the snake. The snake? I forgot about the snake. How big did you say it was again? <laughs> 30 feet, feet long. long. Actually, sir, we'd like to request the opportunity to have you come down to the crime scene and visually verify our report. And if you could call Commissioner Kirkpatrick, we believe this incident, because of its sheer magnitude, is worthy of her personal attention as well. Friday, do you have any idea what time it is? Yes, sir. Oh, don't ask him that, Captain. It's 4.27 a.m., sir. He lives for that. It's in his blood. <laughs> Thursday, January 8th, 5.45 a.m. Having gained Captain Gannon's grudging agreement to contact the commissioner and proceed with us to the San Gabriel Mountains, we eventually arrived at the scene of the previous night's debauchery. What is this, Gannon? Some sort of juvenile cop humor. And where the hell's this supposed pagan festival? I can't understand it, sir. There was a huge electronic screen up there with pagan vision written all over it. Yeah! Yeah! And this was the hole that was filled with water and we had to dive in to save the virgin who was being eaten by the giant snake! <laughs> so yes. I forgot how funny that scene was. Uh, you know, and, and I forgot how good uh, Dan Aykroyd was at channeling uh, Jack Webb, too. Yeah, so. he did well, but he, yeah, he actually, uh, he, he, his character was uh, denoted as Friday. So there you go. Okay. All right. Very good. So, uh, but yeah, I Christopher I, Plummer is the bad guy. Hell yeah! <laughs> well, there you go. Thank you for looking that up. I uh, that was one of the things I didn't pull up on my uh, uh, on the factoid co computer. Uh, the 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 second computer here. But I'm sorry. It, I love me some Christopher Plummer. He just, oh yeah, yeah. Christopher <laughs> Plummer is great. So, uh, but yeah, there's there's a lot of you know. Uh, I think there's a lot of fun to be had in revisiting that movie. Um, but, um, you know, there and uh, and Joe, do you have any you have any favorite uh, Harry Morgan moments? Uh, no, I was a fan of of his during Mash. Yeah, um, but not not a favorite moment. But now that you played that clip, I do remember that part of the movie, the the Virgin Connie Swale. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I, I do remember that that uh, jarred my memory. Yeah, uh, like the outlaw Josie Wales, right? <laughs> yes. <So. laughs> <laughs> Didn't he marry her at the end of the movie or something? Oh, probably something like that. So yeah, I think something like that happened. 
But I, I had the pleasure of meeting uh, Dan Aykroyd, uh, uh, well, a couple times. Uh, well, you only meet somebody once, but uh, at my job, uh, you know, House of Blues, I'm not afraid to say it. Uh, one of these days I'll go back there um, when uh, we reopen next year or whatever it is. Uh, but, I you know, so. he was part of the, you know, he he, he helped found uh, House of Blues. Um, him and uh, Jim Belushi, they they were kind of the figureheads for a while, and he and he has like a lifelong uh um comp account with the company, uh you know, and that's probably saying too much information, but whatever. So he comes in, Dan Aykroyd, you know, people see him, and he buys everybody drinks, and uh, typically Crystal Head vodka martinis because he also has a stake in that company. <laughs> But I, I, I got to talk to him about UFOs because I heard him on, uh, um, what I think, George Norrie's show who took over for Art Bell years ago. And I heard him talking about he, he had a UFO encounter and he's like, you don't we have no idea what's up there. I'm like, that's right. So it was it was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, uh, he's a very personable and nice guy. So um, but uh, now I, I got one that'll give you guys the feels here. Uh, from, uh, in a, a lot of people, uh, uh, well, some people speculated that some of this might've been, uh, heavily improv, but, uh, this is from an episode of MASH where, uh, Colonel Potter, um, he receives a bottle of, uh, I think it's, it's bourbon or whiskey or something like that, but he receives this bottle um, from, uh, well, you, he'll explain it in here, but, uh, it turns out he's like the last surviving, um, guy from all of his, uh, buddies from World War One, I, I believe. Um. Oh, I remember this. Was it World War One or, War, no, World, maybe World War Two. I don't remember. Um, but, uh, Miles might be able to suss it out from his, his verbiage, uh, in describing the the where they were, um, but uh, yeah, so this is uh, this is a, a, a toast that he makes to his fallen fallen friends with his new friends of the four hundred seven seven mash unit. Margaret, come on in. Why don't you sit here? Pierce, thanks for coming. B.J. Colonel Winger, sir. Major, thank uh, you. Now I know I've been acting a little goofy lately, but there's a good reason for it. Colonel. What's with her? I'd do the same thing if I didn't think it'd slug me. What's that supposed to mean? We're worried about you, Colonel. Rest assured, Colonel, you have our total support. Right, we're behind you all the way, sir. No matter what the problem may be. Thanks, Padre, I appreciate that. I suppose. Now, if you'll all put the tear ducts on simmer, I'll lay out the whole story. I guess you're wondering about the old-fashioned get-up. Well, now that you mention it. Yep, still smells like mothballs. It was a long time ago, 1917 to be exact, and I've put on a dozen or so pounds since then. We were in France under a heavy artillery barrage. My buddies and I laid low in an old French chateau. We were quite a group, the five of us. Went through hell together and lived to get drunk about it. What a great bunch of guys. That's us. I'm the one. Might have been for the camera. Anyway, there we are in this chateau. 
So Stein finds a cache of fine brandy, and we sat up all night. The shells were screaming, and we were singing and toasting our friendship. Then we got down to the last bottle. This uh, very bottle here. Any of you know what a tontine is? Yes. A tontine is a pledge. Give that man a cheroot. The five of us made a pledge. We'd save this bottle. Let some legal eagle stow it for us. And whoever turned out to be the last survivor of the group, well, he'd get the bottle and drink a toast to his old buddies. For good or bad, you're looking at the last survivor. I got the job when Grusky passed on in Tokyo. He had the bottle sent here, God rest his soul. Oh, Thank oh. God I was wrong. Colonel, we thought you were sick. I was sick. Just thinking how all my friends are gone now. Felt a little sorry for myself, too, getting up in years. But I'm looking at things a bit different now. I've been a very lucky man. I've had some wondrous, joyous times. That's what counts. We were so alive back then. It was something. But as much as my old friends meant to me, I think you new friends mean even more. So I'd like you to share this bottle with me. We'd be honored, Colonel. Like talk, I had ever turned down a drink. Uh, yeah, but this is good stuff, and I it's... As I recall, it was mighty smooth in 17. Well, it should be magnificent now. Just one thing, I'd like to make the first toast solo to my old buddies. Here's to you, boys. To Ryan, who died in WW1, the war to end all wars. To Gianelli, who died in the war after that. To Stein the joker of the crowd, and to Grusky, my best friend, who just passed away in Tokyo. You were the friends of my youth, my comrades through thick and thin, and everything in between. I drink to your memories. I loved you, fellas, one and all. Still mighty smooth. Okay, that's the old, now for the new. To love and friendship. All right, there you go. Um, so, you know, I I, I have thoughts about this, uh, you know, and, and, and actually uh, Livin uh, points out that MeTV is running season three right now of MASH before uh, Harry Morgan joined in. Um... MASH is probably one of the few shows that could replace so many major characters and still succeed. You know, it's like because that was a it was such a theater of of craziness back then. The Korean yeah. War sucked. <laughs> yeah, but you know, McLean Stevenson left, and that was you know, I mean, they killed him. That was the first uh, death of yeah. a major character I remember on television. Um, you know. 
there were a couple other instances that I can recall, but um, I think that's probably the earliest, uh, you know, but hey, he got that big hit with Hello Larry. <laughs> yeah, but uh, if you listen to uh, uh, Morgan's speech there, mm-hmm. when he's talking about the wars, it's very political. You know, WW1, the war to end all wars, and then yeah. the war that came after that. And now he's talking in the Korean War. You know, he's, he's covering everything from yeah. that pan to there. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very poignant. Yeah. Well, and as, as most folks know, I mean, Joe, the, the, it's been pointed out many, many times that MASH, uh, the movie and the subsequent TV series, uh, was actually a critique uh, less on the Korean War, but more on the Vietnam War. Right. But they just couldn't yeah. use Vietnam because it was too sensitive a topic. Exactly. Right. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, and, and it's, it's just amazing to me that they were able to find such great replacements with, uh, you know, Mike Farrell as, you know, BJ Honeycutt and, uh, you know, uh, Harry, uh, I'm sorry, um, I just had his name, uh, right there, Harry Morgan as Colonel Potter and, um, I, I forgive me, you'll have to, I don't remember the, uh, Frank Burns, the actor's name. Or the guy who uh, kind of filled his place, uh, but I, I, I really kind of like the dynamics of the later seasons, uh, maybe even better than the earlier seasons. I kind of grew a little bored of the, um, the the snide nastiness of uh, of Hot Lips and uh, Burns. You know, because it seemed like they were just just doing really mean spirited, ugly stuff, and it's and, and it just seemed out of place. It seems like there might have been a little more camaraderie, and it seems like you know, well, Hot Lips really came, you know, Houlihan came around as a character, and oh. I think I think they made her less of a, a you know, the um, a nasty person and and more of a an integral part of the the cast and not so hated, you know. Yeah, no, it's David Ogden Steers. That was yeah, the uh, the person, the actor that played the guy that replaced Frank Burns. Yeah. Um. Oh, Larry Levin Linville. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. There Larry you know. Linville was the Frank Burns guy. Yeah, and um, uh, but in in uh, I just saw and I saw him on the Love Boat, and I saw the other guy on uh, Star Trek: uh, The Next Generation the other day. So. <laughs> One of the funny things about uh, to me about uh, uh, Ogden Steers is he had that Boston that that uh, East Coast elite more mm-hmm. than Frank Burns did. Frank tried to play at that, but he really wasn't. He he, he was kind of like a, a cut rate version of what mm-hmm. uh, Ogden Steers created later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, I can see that. But yeah, so uh, how about you, Joe? Uh, what do you? Uh, that's a pretty impressive feat they pulled off with the um, the cast changeup. Yeah, you know, it just goes to the, well, first of all, the dynamics of the writers mm-hmm. were able to overcome those uh, those obstacles when you're losing characters. Uh, kudos to the writers, um, yeah, for keeping it going and keeping it fresh and working those new characters into the into the show. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't think you could, you know, really, I don't think writers get enough credit for 
we always you know look at the actors and everything but but for what makes what makes or breaks a a good series a good movie or or uh, you know or junk mm-hmm. and, uh, but yeah, kudos Win- to the writers for for making those transitions uh, so easily yeah and winchester was uh uh david ogden steer's uh character and um but miles you you say you uh you were just kind of a passive fan of mash yeah no i wasn't an avid fan yeah. to be sure i've seen i've seen my share of episodes i have certain memories of them um but yeah no i wasn't a uh i mean yeah i could i i i know the difference between the 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 hot lips and um side sure. when she was the antagonist with burns and then the the um I don't want to use the word the the upper up stiff upper lip guy. I don't know. I don't know. It's yeah. Just, well, she was more of a team player after Frank left. So. No. I, right. I know. But um, yeah. Well, Burns was definitely a toxic individual. Oh yeah. yeah. But the but the uh, but the other one that fo- followed after mm-hmm. him that was more. Yeah, Frank Burns cool? was so uh, he was so insecure and such a uh, weasel. <laughs> So, but anyway, well, I'll tell you what, we're running over a little bit. Uh, we, we're going to go to the break right now. Um, I, I got the playlist a little bit late from Mort uh, that uh, for Kill the Hippies that we will have next week, but I'll play Oops. a couple familiar favorites of which I was part. We'll do a double shot of Hallabaloo and Wolfman's Wedding. This is for Michelle because I know she loves it. So Love it. Uh, but yes, well, I'll tell you what. And on the way out, we'll have Bill Gannon read everybody their Miranda rights. You have the right to remain silent. If you give up the right to remain silent, anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have the right to speak with an attorney and to have the attorney present during questioning. If you so desire and cannot afford one, an attorney will be appointed for you without charge before questioning. Now, do you understand that? Thank you very much for coming to Hallabaloo, or should I say, thank you very much. <laughs> Welcome to our Hallabaloo on this spooky night. Come on in and have a bite on the neck. <laughs> I think you've got a few bad things on Hallabaloo. Baby, you'll see you. It's a Hallabaloo. You're gonna be there too. Godzilla was going to come, but he couldn't fit in the room. And the mummy's running late. He goes wrap up in his tomb. And the ghosts say boo. It's a hallabaloo. You gonna be there too. I love you though. I was at the top of my anatomy class. I can find a vein on anybody. <laughs> Dancing ghouls and singing ghosts. Now raise your cup, propose a toast, the blood. <laughs> Who put steak on the buffet? I specifically said no steak on the buffet. Oh, it's not like a little steak will kill you. No, a steak will literally fucking kill me. That is the one thing that will fucking kill a Dracula is a steak. That's the fucking fact. <laughs> 
How could you not know this? Do you live under a rock? Why, yes, I do. It's quite an ice rock, might I add. The sun is rising and our hallelujah is coming to an end. We hope you made some ooky friends. What do you mean, friends? I think you mean to say... It's a <laughs> and a ghost ain't blue. It's a hallabaloo. They're gonna be there too. This boogieing has loosened the nuts in my neck. Wolfman! Get down from my couch, you bad boy! You'll be sleeping in the wolf house tonight! Wolfman wedding. 
couple goes off to their honeymoon, and I dream the moon. Now I'd sell my whole head for 10 cents. Yeah, that's a bargain. <laughs> anyway, welcome back to It Came From Cleveland. And we're going to do a roundup on some of our celebrity birthdays here. Uh, I know, uh, born in 1980, what a, what a youngster. Katie Sackhoff, a fan favorite from Battlestar Galactica. Oh, yes. And, of course, recently The Mandalorian, and she also did the voice of her character from The Mandalorian on the in the Clone Wars animated series as well. Uh, she plays a Mandalorian. Uh, don't remember the character's name, sorry. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I have such fond memories of that Battlestar Galactica series. It was, it was such an interesting mixture of uh like a space opera and weird religious kind of spirituality you know in you know in in like a, an actual like real like supernatural mystery in space too with you know the character of Starbuck primarily um because if anybody there there will be spoilers is everybody here did you guys all watch uh, the Battlestar Galactica reboot Yes. Not to the end, but yes, that far, yes. Okay. Um, Joe, did you watch it? No. Oh. I never saw anything beyond the original. Okay. Well, you're missing out. It's it's a good good show, and, and I might spoil a couple things for you. Um, but uh, but I'll, I'll try and downplay. I'll try, play, try and uh, downplay the spoilers. Um but there was one scene that that stood out to me where she uh, she's with one of the Cylons, and uh, she there's a crashed ship on the on the the, the ground. If, and you know the scene I'm talking about, right, Michelle? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and I just thought this was this was kind of a fine moment uh, of acting from. Uh, from her, and, and uh, this is the the what am I scene, and um, w without spoiling it for Joe, we'll just uh, just play a, a little bit of her fine uh, performance as Starbuck, aka Kara Thrace, on BSG. If you've got an explanation for this, now's the time. I don't have one. wrong about earth your hybrid told me something said that I was the harbinger of death that I would lead us all to our end she told you that is it true is it true if that's me lying there, then what am I? What am I?
gives me the chills all over again. That was such a such a powerful moment in the uh, in the series. Uh, but again, hopefully that didn't give away too much for you, Joe. You're probably like, what? What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't fit that together yet. No. Okay. Yeah. And that's the thing. There are a lot of, uh, oh, there are, and I do not fault Battlestar Galactica, that version of it. There are a lot of loose ends and plot holes and things like that. But because of the nature of the show, I, I'm, I'm very forgiving for it. A lot of people were so angry about how it ended and you know what some questions were unanswered um there some of the stuff about the cylons you know and what their motivation was was kind of bs to me um bsg to me uh <laughs> and uh but you know I, it, I i still thought it was a pretty pretty great series and and really innovative in like their use of cameras and the special effects were just, I mean, I I really felt like I was watching like real ships in space when I would watch. I it. did like the ship special. Yeah, the space scenes were amazing. Yeah, yeah, and just the, the the shaky cam and the quick zooms and things like that. It just made it feel all the more realistic. Um, yes, and and the and, cast and, was super remarkable. Go ahead. Yes, the cast was amazing, and and the thing I the the question or the answer that should have encompass the whole series is more than you know it's both yeah. a question and an answer yeah yeah so uh but yeah so it's uh you know it, it, it was an impressive series i i recommend it joe it's it's good worthy binge watching so and and maybe we'll have uh we'll a a, a a show special down the road if you watch it joe and uh we can rewatch some of the episodes and and maybe have a little uh uh, focus on some of the single episodes or something like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That could be fun. My my first uh, exposure to Katie Sackoff was uh, a 2019, I think it was on Netflix, it was called Another Life. Yes. Yeah, I have not seen that and, yet. Yeah, that was the first I, I was... Exp now, it, it wasn't that good of a science fiction series mm -hmm. they are planning another season i understand but um that's the first time and she suffers from a similar malady as uh, barbara does she has she has had thyroid cancer oh okay so yeah she had oh. her thyroid removed years ago so she's a cancer survivor and wow. uh, luckily barbara hasn't faced that uh mm -hmm. but um she does have a thyroid condition so uh her and katie shared that well there you go and the yeah. they also shared the the fact that they can uh kick people's asses uh well good. that too yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um uh now uh, the, uh also a little bit of a spoiler for uh the uh towards the end of the show obviously uh, i was i was really thrilled when uh we got to our Twilight Zone episode, The Big Tall Wish from 1960, uh, that was broadcast 61 years ago today. We're going to get to that uh, at the end of the show, as we uh, do, and as we did once, we're going to do it the second time tonight. <laughs> and uh, I was really impressed. I, I was like, wait a second, who is this actor? He looked a little different because he was wearing some pretty heavy prosthetics, but I looked while I was watching on Amazon... And it was none other than Ivan Dixon, whose birthday was 
April 6, uh, 1931, born in Charlotte, North Carolina, who played POW, POW Staff Sergeant James Kinch, uh, Kinchlow on Hogan's Heroes. Um, so I found uh, a nice little, uh, <laughs> a fun little clip from Hogan's Heroes. I think you'll appreciate this one, Miles. Um, apparently, um, somebody didn't label something properly in uh, down in the tunnel. Uh, <laughs> it's Talag 13, and this is what happened. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm okay. What happened? What happened? Newkirk, what did you and Carter put in that bottle? The one marked furniture polish. Oh, no, that was nitroglycerin. Oh, Carter should have told you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I found that out for myself. You know, I really didn't mind that you didn't scratch the furniture polish off the label. But why did you have to leave that other thing on? Well, shake well before using it. Ah! <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> I did not realize that. I just thought the makeup was really, really horrible. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was uh, none other than Ivan Dixon. Uh, he just passed away, I think, five or six years ago. Uh, but he had a great film career and television career. He he's he was yeah, on. I one love of the, him. One of those guys that was on everything. He was on. Uh, well, he he was uh, he was in Porgy and Bess. Um, and he was in, of course, uh, the Twilight Zone and a lot of, <laughs> he was on, uh, oh, he was in, uh, Raisin in the Sun, uh, Raisin in the Sun. And, um, uh, let me see, uh, Perry Mason, Outer Limits, uh, where's the, um, uh, oh, he was in a war movie called Battle at Bloody Beach, um, in 1961, uh, he was in The Fugitive. Uh, he was in The Outer Limits a couple times. Uh, that's a show we should we should cover at some point. Yeah, my um, God, he was in a lot of things. He was also in another episode of The Twilight Zone from 1964. Uh, I Am the Knight, Color Me Black. He played Reverend Anderson. He was in I Spy. Um, oh! The Father Dowling Mysteries as well. Oh, he was in A Patch of Blue. I, he played, uh, I, I believe he played... Uh, um, uh, the brother to uh, Sidney Poitier in a, in a patch of blue. I just watched that movie. Uh, great, great movie. Um, CBS Playhouse. Uh, let me see. Um, The Waltons. Uh, Starsky and Hutch. The Rockford Files. He was in the movie Car Wash as Lonnie. He was on Quincy. The Bionic Woman. Wonder Woman. Oh, no, no, no. He directed. Oh, wow. He was a director for The Bionic Woman and Wonder Woman. Brett Maverick, he directed three episodes. Uh, the Greatest American Hero, he directed six episodes. Magnum P.I., 13. Uh, Trapper John, he directed an episode of that. He directed an episode of Quantum Leap, In the Heat of the Night. Father Dowling Mysteries. Uh, wow. All kinds of stuff. Yeah, what was America? I never saw that series. Uh, what what's that? America, nineteen eighty seven. Never saw that series. Mm. Oh, TV miniseries, seven parts. Um, I don't know. Starred Chris Christopherson, Mariel Hemingway, Sam Neill. Wow, that's interesting. We'll have to do some research on that. Yeah. 
And uh, he was nominated for an Emmy Award for Outstanding Single Performance by an Actor in a Leading Role in a Drama, uh, CBS Playhouse, The Final War of Oily Winter. So, a uh, superb actor. And, man, I'll tell you what, when we get to talking about the episode of The Twilight Zone at the end of the, yes. end of the show, going to have <laughs> and the I, I, feels. I some opinions on makeup. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, they did what they could back in the day. So, um, uh, but uh, also uh, just something I wanted to throw out there uh, is uh, something we shared in our production chat. Uh, since we're, we're going to be talking about Star Trek uh, probably for the better part of the next hour. Um, and then we're going to go into the, the horror and Twilight Zone stuff. Um, uh, you know, we'll probably go, you know, uh, about 45 minutes and then, you know, edge into some of the horror stuff. Um, but because uh, we want to make sure Michelle's got plenty of time to talk about Chuck Connors. And I have a great clip from one of his movies for you, Michelle. But uh, oh, something we uh, uh, that you guys shared, one of you guys shared over in the production chat is the teaser for season two of Picard. Here you oh, go. Oh yes. <laughs> oh, and by the way, if you uh, if you have a subwoofer on your uh, sound system right now, this opening <laughs> sound on Picard uh, it made mine rattle. <laughs> So, uh, here you go. The true final frontier is time. Time can turn even our most impulsive, our most ill-considered actions into history. What we do in a crisis often weighs upon us less heavily than what we wish we had done. What could have been? Time offers so many opportunities, but never second chances. Anybody else get chills? I sure did. I uh, yeah, I I I love I I follow him on Twitter, so I love yeah. him. <laughs> well, if there is if nobody has seen the teaser trailer, um, there is a there's a shot of a playing card, a, a Queen of Hearts card on a chessboard, and the card burns away all except for the letter Q in the top corner of the card. And then it comes into focus in, in the letter Q. And no, and then it's not. John, John Delancey, saw, yes. you hear his voice. That's John Delancey, yes. And uh, and no, it's not QAnon. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, the original Q, the original Q, he was cool. The best Q. Yeah. And, and, and actually far more real than QAnon. <laughs> and more yes. believable. Um but yeah, so this is really exciting because uh, if if they're going all in on time travel, time manipulation, whatever on Picard season two, it's gonna be crazy. They can do whatever they want with whatever cast members from whatever series um, who are still surviving. 
I'm hoping that they take the opportunity to do some justice by William Shatner and maybe kind of undo his lame death from Star Trek Generations. Shatner has begged for uh, them to do something to get him involved in, in, in Star Trek uh, projects. He, You know he felt a little jaded when they kept bringing back um, Leonard, uh, Leonard Nimoy. Um, and, you know, it was like, it, it, and I, I just remember this one interview, and they were like, any writer could bring back Kirk in a million yes. different ways. And, and but, I would, but, and he, he just turned 90. So I would, uh, I, you know, shoot, we should have done William Shatner. Cause I think his birthday, he literally just turned 90. Well, we could, we could do it next week then, but I'd love William Shatner, you know, but, um, you have to realize that discovery also opened up time travel even more. Yes, it did. So there you go. You you have the the, the the way to do it, and you have Q to all uh, weave it together. Yeah. You know? Yes, Shatner was born mirror, March mirror, 22nd. So, mirror, mirror. Yeah, there you go. Uh, oh, oh, see, that's, that, that's smart. <laughs> he didn't die when a bridge fell on him. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, so actually, but I guess it's kind of a fitting tribute tonight because we are going to be doing our first Star Trek, uh, uh, episode review, uh, and, and talk about a lot of fun facts. Joe has a lot of fun facts, uh, regarding, uh, the episode we're going to be talking about, of course, Trouble with Tribbles, the Trouble with Tribbles. And, and he has some cool pictures too, because we yeah. actually saw that one in activation. <laughs> We've got, yeah, we, we, Joe has a big reveal for everybody tonight. All right. I'm very excited. Thank you for, uh, for reaching out to your friend. <laughs> yes. You'll, I think everyone will enjoy it. Yeah. I think so too. Well, I'll tell you what, I've got a fair amount of audio, uh, coming up for, uh, this, uh, this installment. Very excited about it. So, we're going to go ahead and run to the break right now. When we come back, uh, Miles will present the Trouble with Tribbles uh, tribute. And, of course, a lot of, lot of he uh, heavy lifting from Joe, too, on some fun facts regarding the, the um, let's say, the anatomy of the Tribble. <laughs> the <Right>. biology <laughs> of the Tribble. So, uh, but yeah, so we'll be right back with lots more. It came from Cleveland, and we might as well, uh, you know, go get yourself a, a refreshment while you're at it. Don't you know that alcohol is a lubricant for the devil? Sure do, and I'm just about due for an oil change. And now, on with the show. Refreshing, says the New York Post. Be prepared for some shocks, warns the New York Daily News. It's going to be a good night. It came from Cleveland, Ohio. From the dead, kept alive by experimental science. Science runs amok when human beings tamper with unknown forces. Now at last, the real shocking story can be told. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. A nightmare combination of shock and terror, and you're invited. A foolish undertaking. Something evil. It came from Cleveland. It's the most foul, cruel, and bad-tempered rodent you ever set eyes on. 
Not recommended for impressionable children. Now, how dare you say that about Tribbles? They're adorable. Rodents can be evil. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, welcome back to It Came From Cleveland. Uh, we're going to get into some trick talk right now. Very excited about that. And, uh, you know, I know we have a lot of Star Trek fans out there. And... It is an iconic series. Yeah, it certainly is. So, um, and, uh, and I guess, uh, we'll have Mr. Spock, uh, uh, lead us into this. And now, to the business at hand. There we go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, welcome back, uh, of course, to Joe. Hello, Joe. Hello, hello. And as far Mich- as I can tell, Jim, they yes. are born pregnant. <laughs> And, uh, and it's wrong. That's wrong. I think that thing is wrong, and I don't know why. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and, of course, uh, Michelle, welcome back to you. I have been told since I'm a girl, I don't understand Star Trek. Oh, oh. well. <laughs> but quite impossible. Yeah. And, uh, last but not least, Miles, welcome back. Hello. Yes, thank you. And uh, Miles is known by another title. I am the Guardian of Forever. There you go. Uh, <laughs> see, this gives me an opportunity nice, to bust nice. out all of my uh, all of my uh, uh, clips. Because it, it wouldn't feel right if I didn't play Star Wars clips. No, I don't feel all right. None of us feel all right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, anyway... Uh, I think I have all the clips. Uh, let me have uh, Ch- uh, Spock check in on that again, too. All systems report normal, Captain. All right, thank you. Uh, <laughs> so, all right, uh, Miles, why don't you uh, tell us why did you uh, decide to pick uh, The Trouble with Tribbles tonight? Well, it, it is probably one of the most famous Star Trek episodes. Um, there are others, of course, that stand out, uh, like Khan, because of the movie. Uh, yeah, the, the Wrath of the Khan. Space after it, seed. That, the Khan movie might have stood out, like the Devil in the Dark with the Horta. That was another popular. You know, there are certain mm-hmm. ones that, uh, you know, when when the series went to syndication, that uh, you know would stand out amongst the uh, other episodes. You know, I mean, but as it just kept getting repeated ad nauseum. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Troubled Tribbles, definitely a uh, a, a fan favorite. Um, it, it, it stood out as a, because Star Trek had a more serious quality to it. Yes, there was humor, but Trouble with Tribbles was a lot more humor uh, yeah, than the they, other episodes typically were. They really got to flex their, their humor muscles yes. in this. And, uh, and there's a few scenes. You picked out a scene, and I picked out a couple others. Um, from the episode, if you want, I could just uh, go sure. ahead and let's. Well, I'd like to start off with asking everyone about their favorite scenes on the episode. I presume everyone is familiar with it. Um, yeah. So I'll I'll just kick off. Um, mine is at the moment that when the Klingon in the bar is taunting the crew yes. of the Enterprise, consisting of Scotty and Chekhov, and things. Digress down to the point to you know finally well Scotty, that's actually yeah that we'll we'll play that that's actually our yes. second clip yeah because uh, so. I've got uh, yeah I I have a lot of favorite scenes from this but I kind of like uh, the the um, 
so so basically the enterprise receives a distress call from a space station that is working on um uh, their, their um what's the name of the planet i'm sorry kate on sherman planet ah yeah sure seven yeah a, a priority yeah. one distress call. yeah a priority one distress distress call. Thank you, and um, I love it because uh, the, an actor that everybody would recognize uh, in this uh, scene and in, in this episode is William Shallert, who was in tons of stuff, including uh, something that's going to be on Sven Gulli tomorrow night, The Incredible Shrinking Man. Um, he played a scientist in that. Uh, and he was actually, he was uh, in the classic 1960 episode of The Twilight Zone that I'm sure we'll review down the road, Mr. Beavis. Um, uh, you know, but he, he he generally played kind of a nice guy in a lot of uh, uh, movies he did. But yeah, he, uh, but he, he was also uh, the 20th uh, president of the Screen Actors Guild, um, which is kind of interesting. Oh. Yeah, okay. And he, uh, it, it, but he passed away um, in um, in 2016. So this stinks. <laughs> Everybody died like five or ten years ago that we're talking about. Oh, it's uh, not going to stop. I'm telling you, the no, <laughs> it's get worse. That's why it's nice that I got to talk about Katie Sackhoff. She's she, you know, <laughs> so. But uh, so my my favorite, uh, probably my favorite scene is in uh, is at the beginning of the episode when they arrive on the space station. And Kirk is pissed in the this uh, in this character played by William Shallert's trying to act like you know they don't know shit about shit, and but then Spock chimes in, <laughs> and uh, and and the whole thing it's just a great scene. So uh, check it out. It's kind of long, about two minutes and forty five seconds. There was no emergency. Why did you issue a priority one distress call? That was my order, Captain. Captain Kirk. This is Niels Barris. He's out from Earth to take charge of the development project for Sherman's planet. And that gives you the authority to put an entire quadrant on defense alert? Mr. Barris is the Federation Undersecretary in charge of agricultural affairs in this quadrant. And that gives him the authority. Hmm. Uh, this is my assistant, Arn Darwin. And this is my first officer, Mr. Spark. Mr. Spark? And now, Captain, I want all available security guards. I want them posted around the storage compartments. Storage compartments, storage compartments. The storage compartments containing the quadrotriticale. The what? The what? What's quadrotriticale? Wheat. So what? Quadrotriticale is not wheat, Captain. Of course, I wouldn't expect you or uh, Mr. Spock to know about such things, but uh, quadrotriticale is a rather... Quadrotriticale is a high-yield grain four-lobed hybrid of wheat and rye, a perennial also, if I'm not mistaken. Its root grain, triticale, can trace its ancestry all the way back to 20th century Canada. Uh, Mr. What? Spark, major problem. <laughs> is the only earth grain that will grow on Sherman's planet. Now, we have several tons of it here on the station, and it's very important that that grain get to Sherman's planet safely. Mr. Barris thinks that Klingon agents may try to sabotage it. You issued a priority one distress call for a couple of tons of wheat. Quadrotriticale. <laughs> of course, Captain. I realize that we... Mr. Barris, you summon the Enterprise without an emergency. You'll take full responsibility for it. What do you mean? Misuse of the priority one channel is a Federation offense. I did not misuse the priority one channel. I want that grain protected. Captain, couldn't you at least post a couple of guards? We do have a large number of ships passing through. 
would seem a logical precaution, Captain. The Sherman's Planet Affair is of extreme importance to the Federation. Director Enterprise. Enterprise here. Secure from general quarters. And uh, beam down to, and only two security guards, have them report to Mr. Lurie. Authorized shore leave for all off-duty personnel. Yes, Captain. Kirk out. Captain Kirk, how dare you authorize a mere two men for a project of this importance? Starfleet Command. I have never this. questioned the orders or the intelligence of any representative of the Federation. Until now. <laughs> Love that, that shade. Love the, <laughs> the curve shade there. Yep. Yeah, that the, so I, I just that whole interaction was just great. And again, seeing, you know, a, a Hollywood legend like William Shallert in there uh is you know, just it's just a warm fuzzy. It's like going home, you know. And <laughs> um uh but uh but yeah, so uh in, in uh, Foxfire says He's a bureaucrat. He's a capitalist. He gets all the priority alerts. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. And, uh, and, and yeah, and you know, I, I always have to laugh when when you know uh, staunch uh, conservative people uh, claim to be Star Trek fans, and I'm like, really? No, they're not. <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway. Uh, yeah, so uh, uh, now this is uh, obviously the big setup for, uh, you know, the, the, the background setup for what's to come. And I should have gotten an, another little clip, but uh, um, it, it, what's the what's the name of the Cyrano Jones? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Cyrano right. Jones is the guy he's yeah. a, he, he's he's uh, passing through and he's a he's a space salesman, uh, you know, kind of a. He's kind of like mud, but not as skeevy. <laughs> yeah, not as not as, as yeah. We're near as bad as mud. No. Yeah, he's he's just uh you know a kind of a big dopey guy who's trying to make a space buck, um and uh and of course uh uh the uh, uh there's a scene where Ahura and uh, Chekhov head down to the station for shore leave. And, you know, there's this really swanky little bar that they're in, and um, the bartender's there talking to um, Cyrano Jones, and he's trying to hawk some, you know, sell, sell some jewelry or um, uh, jewels to him or something like that. And, and he has a triple. Some flame gems and then some oil to, you know. Yeah. 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 Space gems. swag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, and of course, uh, you know, the, um, uh, 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 the tribble that, uh, uh, he is carrying, uh, catches the eye of Ahura who thinks it's completely adorable. And, uh, that's how the fun begins with the, uh, tribbles. And of course they, because they're brought onto this space station, well, you know, everybody knows what happens. It's kind of like gremlins before gremlins, right? Don't get them wet. Yes. Don't feed them after midnight. <laughs> and uh, excuse me, but yeah, so that that's kind of the big setup. But again, shore leave isn't just for Ahura and Chekhov. So Miles, uh, back to uh, what you were setting up. Um, uh, I want to touch real quick. I mean, on yeah, uh, Michelle and Joe's favorite scenes. 
Yeah. On, in the episode, what was your favorite scene? Oh, um, I want to go to Joe first. Oh, <laughs> let's see. My favorite scene, I think, was uh, the fight between the Klingon and Scotty. You know, another great scene, too, is Kirk getting buried in Tribbles, too. The, yeah, mean, yeah. That's well, that's like, the one they always show, isn't it? Yeah, uh, exactly. Yes. Uh, but I, th- I think it was the exchange between Scotty and uh, and the, uh, the... The Klingon first. The Klingon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And right, I'll let Michelle think about it for a bit. All right, so yeah. the setting up of the scene, you, you want to talk about the barroom fight? Uh, yeah, just a, a quick little, a quick little fun fact about the uh, the modern Mego Star Trek um, uh, okay. action, action figures is they did a line of uh, of them where they had uh, Kirk and Spock in Uhura, and they had those little, you know, those little craft pom poms that you can glue on things. Um, you know, they were, you know, use them for like clown dolls or something like that. Um, back in the seventies, if you want a clown doll, but they had all those little fluffy, uh, cra- uh, craft pom poms in, you know, various shades of, you know, brown and tan and white and stuff like that. And they made triple editions of uh, some of the Star Trek, uh, figures. And they basically just had a bunch of those little pom poms thrown in the, the blister pack with the action figure in it. And I have a couple of them. So, um, I'll I'll try and find a picture of one of those and and share them with everybody, but yeah. So it, it you know that's just how popular of an episode it is. Is you know Migo went to the lengths of actually uh, packaging a wave of figures with tribbles. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, the quick uh, trivia I want to point out on this scene of the bar fight is that uh, James Doohan insisted on doing his own stunts for the fight. Oh, so anytime you see beautiful. Scotty getting knocked about or dropped or hit or whatever, that's him doing the actual uh, scenes for himself. Yeah, you, um, you'll, you'll note there's not a lot of like, uh, you know, bird's eye view shots of the fight either as it, as there were oftentimes with uh, uh, Shatner and, and uh, Nimoy as well. Right, and another uh, side on James Doohan, I want to bring this up um, about, it, it, it's not relevant to tr- uh, uh, Trouble of Tribbles, but it is about the, the man. And he had a fan that sent him uh, some fan mail, and in the mail uh, she revealed that she had problems, and she was, you know, kind of, uh, she was suicidal. And James Doohan reached out to this fan and said that he wanted to meet her at every convention that he would go to. Uh, I don't know the city. I, I'm guessing it's probably in California. Um, because I'm just pulling this from memory. I'm not. I don't have that's the, uh, okay. Details. Anyway, so she did, and he would he would take the time to meet her, and at, at every year, and you know. Uh, talk her down or, you know, just, uh, you know, s- s- spend time with her. And um, it, 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 years later, she told him that she that he had saved her life 
you know, because of uh, what he had done, and that she was getting her master's degree in electrical engineering. And James wow. Doohan said that that was his, he considered that his greatest achievement in life was that. Saving what an a, amazing a guy. And yeah, so I just wanted to uh, bring that up. Okay, so you got a, a clip to play? Oh, yes. I got a big three-minute fight scene coming up for you. Where And, you know, another funny thing. Another funny thing about this episode is Chekhov trying to claim that Russia like invented everything. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, that's a, that's, yes. Pretty, you know, pretty routine for him. Yes. Yeah, and I, I love that. You know, and of course Scotty starts off insulting Chekhov because he's he's drinking vodka and he claims you know he's like uh, he's like when are you gonna get off that milk diet, laddie or whatever. <laughs> so. Uh, but yeah, so here we go. The big fight scene from The Trouble with Tribbles. Here you go. When are you going to get off that milk diet, lad? This is vodka. Where I come from, that's soda pop. Well, this is a drink for a man. Scotch? Aye. It was invented by a little old lady from Leningrad. The Earth is like those fuzzy things, don't they? <laughs> well, frankly, I never liked Earthers. They remind me of regular bloodworts. <laughs> Easy, lad. You want to be more forgiving? No. I just remember there is one earth man who doesn't remind me of a regulan bloodworm that's kirk a regulan bloodworm is soft and shapeless but kirk isn't soft <laughs> kirk may be a swaggering overbearing tin-plated dictator with delusions of godhood but he's not soft Take it easy, lad. Everybody's entitled to an opinion. That's right. And if I think that Kirk is a Denebian slime devil, well, that's my opinion, too. Don't do it, mister, and that's an order. But you heard what he called the captain. Forget it. It's not worth fighting for. We're big enough to take a few insults. Now drink, you drink. Of course, I'd say that Captain Kirk deserves his ship. We like the Enterprise. We, we really do. <laughs> that sagging old rust bucket is designed like a garbage scow. Half the quadrant knows it. That's why they're learning to speak Klingonese. <laughs> Mr. Scott. Laddie, don't you think you should rephrase that? You're right. I should. I didn't mean to say that the Enterprise should be hauling garbage. I meant to say that it should be hauled away as garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. 
So, uh, yes, that, that, that things, things go uphill, uphill from there. <laughs> that, that yeah. Was, yeah. Definitely yeah, a low point. So, that was, yeah, Scotty. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. Scotty, Scotty's moment of pride. Yeah. You can consult Kirk all you want. That's yeah. Like <laughs> you talk about a ship like, Oh, uh-uh. Hell no! <laughs> no that, way! That was Scotty's true love there. Yeah. Uh, so uh, no, that's 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 priceless. Uh, that that whole thing, and um, yeah. So uh, uh, it, it's just I don't know. That that's just like the charm of the show. Is is it was one of those? It was you know again and. It, what what uh, Roddenberry said a lot, and what a lot of other people would remark on, is the show was all, all always kind of meant to be a space western to a certain degree. And you know what's a what's a what's a western without you know a bar fight, you know? And you have to have some comedic faux uh, pas there, you know? Yes. You oh to. yeah. And and the thing is, the the comedy in this episode, it's like it, it um. And I don't want uh, um, I don't want to insult any other shows of the day or anything like that. But there were other sci-fi shows that would try and do humor that I think was a little too ham-fisted and in you know cornball. Um, but uh, when they did humor on Star Trek, I thought they did they did it well within the confines of it being as realistic as possible. Um, you know. Uh, uh, with the logic of of the universe around them, I suppose. Yeah, you know. So uh, that that episode was actually one of uh, Gene Roddenberry's top ten of favorites of of the series. Well, the chemistry uh, uh, w- with the characters in it was incredible. Um, you know, yes. I I think Uhura was uh, was kind of uh, short shrift on on some of the dialogue and the idea that she's just like a girly girl and wants to go shopping well, well you know according to the trivia site i'm looking at michelle nichols actually liked the episode because it allowed her to be a woman and it took her off the bridge ah okay her normal thing so it was the girly girl aspect of it she liked okay you know that, that it, 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 embracing being feminine you know fem female which Normally, you know, she was all business, you know, declaring red alerts or canceling them, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, communications, if you will. Can you now, say who hated the episode? Yes, that would, that would be Leonard Nimoy. He did not like the uh, yeah. the, the episode. Um, uh, let's see, what's it say? He he thought it was frivolous. Um, but Tri- as the years went on and it became one of the favorites, uh, you know, uh, you know, especially, you know, uh, at conventions or whatnot, his, his opinion on the matter, uh, changed and softened. <laughs> so, so, uh, yeah, but Leonard Nimoy did not like, you know, originally, you, uh, yeah, you can see him not smiling a lot in this. <laughs> no. yeah, so. yeah. Oh, well, I also have some, I also have some really good in- interpretations on how, uh, Kurt dealt with the, the yes. yeah. 
Okay, well, I'll so, tell you what. We, 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 yeah, we should be going to the break, but we're going to continue this when we come back. I have a couple more shorter clips from uh, the episode when we come back. And uh, since uh, we don't have robots or Mythical Minute, I just kind of uh, slapped a couple things together here for everybody. So we're going to um, listen to um, every Make It So from Star Trek The Next Generation. Woot. <laughs> And the trailer from Christopher Lee and Rasputin the Mad Monk. <laughs> just, a, just a couple random things for everybody's enjoyment. Uh, I think we'll start off with the Rasputin uh, trailer and then do the the Make It So's. And I, if you guys want, I have the Make It So set to Let It Snow. <laughs> oh wow! So uh, so we could we could get real wacky if you guys want. Why not? We already played Halloween songs. Why not play a, a Christmas type song? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, we'll be right back with more trouble with tribbles. And Joe's got some fun stuff for us too. Fascinating, but quite impossible. <laughs> Rasputin, the Mad Monk. History's Man of Mystery. Now, at last, the real shocking story can be told. Rasputin, the Mad Monk, goaded by an insane lust to dominate and destroy. His mystic powers and physical strength made him the most dangerous man of his time. No one knew him. They only feared him. <laughs> you will apologize for laughing at me. Now look here. You will come to me and say you are sorry. But look here. Get out, Boris. Get out, but I live here. This is mine. I am not a peasant woman. What are you? I am lady-in-waiting to the Tsarina. You're very beautiful, little Sonia. Tomorrow you are taking the little Tsar to the frozen river. While you are there, you will see to it that he meets with an accident. You will be hurt, and you will send for me. You will go away and destroy yourself. Grigori, no! Here is the amazing true story of the man whose evil genius still fascinates the entire world. The ladies of the imperial court adored him. His hypnotic power mesmerized even the Tsarina herself. Now at last, the real shocking story can be told. He has the Tsarina in his absolute power. Under hypnosis, he can make her do whatever he wishes. Do you understand what that means? He must be destroyed before he destroys us all. But can they kill this man possessed by superhuman powers of evil? Make it so, Mr. LaForge. Make it so. Make it so. 
Make it so. Make it so. Make it so. Make it so. Make it so. Make it so. Make it so. Sir? Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it! Make it so. Make it so, number one. Make it so, Mr. Crusher. Make it so, Data. Make it so, Mr. Crusher. Well, make it so, number one. Make it so, Mr. Wolf. Ensign Crusher, prepare to make it so. Then make it so. Make it so, Lieutenant. Make it so. 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 Mr. Crusher, make it so. 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 Make it so, number one. Make it so, Ensign. Make it so. Make it so. Make it so. Make it so. Doctor, Commander, make it so. 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 Make it so, Mr. Data. Mr. Wolf, make it so. Make it so, Mr. Wolf. Make it so, Mr. Wolf. Make it so. 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 Make it so, Mr. Data. Make it so. 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 Wishing for a thing does not make it so. Make it so. Oh, the weather outside is frightful. But the fire is so delightful. And since we've no place to go. Make it so. Make it so. Make it so. Man, it doesn't show signs of stopping. And I brought me some tea gray hot. The lights are turned way down low. Make it so. Make it so. Make it so. When we finally kiss. Good night. How I hate going out in the storm. But if you... Really? Shut up, Wesley. All the way home, I'll be warm. Oh, the fire is slowly dying. And my dear, we're still goodbye, Ben. But as long as you love me, so make it so. Make it so. Computers make excellent and efficient servants, but I have no wish to serve under them. Oh, he doesn't want our robot overlords. Uh -oh. No. <laughs> Alright, welcome back to It Came From Cleveland. Uh, Trouble with The Trouble with Tribbles Part 2. I think uh, if you don't mind, Miles, uh, before we jump back into it, I'd like to get uh, Joe's little uh, factoids in here uh, regarding... Sure, sure. Yeah. The actual physical nature of the Tribbles. Oh. Yeah, so now. Joe, you have a friend of a friend of a friend. <laughs> well, actually... Was... <laughs> no, I'm kidding. You have a friend. I have a friend um, who we met through our friend. Uh, I've talked about Bob Weatherwax many times on Turn Up the Night and his ownership of Lassie and his well, work in the movies. Doggy. Doggy. Well, doggy. And uh, <laughs> we met him through um, uh, his publicist at the time. This is about 11 years ago. His name is Leslie Rugg. Now, 
I don't know if everybody in the chat or here might uh, remember the name Rug, but if you watch closely at the end of every original Star Trek, you will see that the special effects was done by one James Rug. Yeah. Which is Leslie's father-in-law. So, uh, Captain Kirk, or William Shatner, uh, once said of Jim Rugg, if it blinked, beeped, moved, lit up, or exploded, it was rigged by Jim Rugg. Wow. And some of his... I love that idea. <laughs> <laughs> he was responsible for all the wiring on the bridge. Him and his team of electricians wired all the lighting you saw, the uh, the shuttlecrafts, uh, mm -hmm. the city on the edge forever, the uh, Guardian. All the lighting on that Guardian was all Jim Rugg's wiring. And, I am the and Guardian of forever. <laughs> Correct. And if you remember Nomad, that was Jim yeah. Rugg's. Uh, well, everything. Everything except the only ones he didn't work on was the cage and where no man has gone before the first couple. After that, sure. everything you saw, the doors that swished open and closed on the bridge, everything was Jim Rugg. Anyway. Wow. So what you're I saying reached, is is he represents Earth be Earth's best. Ah, you represent Earth's, Earth's best. best then. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And... Um, so he, he used to make magic work out of a dumpster. I mean, he used to, they used to say, the producer would say, I need this in the next episode, and he would figure something out. And uh, during the Tribble episode, um, he was given the challenge of coming up with, what does a Tribble look like? What blazes is this? <laughs> so he went to work in his garage, Leslie tells me. And... Um, came up with several prototypes which she has and uh, i asked her to go into her garage and to her father-in-law's uh, bin of uh, mystery which she yes. has there and dig out a tribble which i have tried over the last 11 years begged her to give me one and she <laughs> <laughs> and i don't blame her <laughs> but i don't either those things are probably worth a mint hell yeah probably yeah, but fair. um she was gracious enough in preparation for the show to uh, go, even though she got a brand new puppy, <laughs> she yeah. rummaged through her father-in-law's stuff and sh took some pictures of the tribbles that were on the, uh, on the show that her father-in-law built. And uh, I'm going to show you a, a side view first. Let's see if we can show you. Is a side view of one of the tribbles she has? We will have, uh, the, I'll use one of, at least one of these pictures for our show art for our podcast listeners, too. Sure. That is the side view of a original tribble that she found in her garage. And it needs to be brushed out. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, yes. Did that used uh, to be in the White House? No, never mind. Here's, here's a top view of a uh, scruffy tribble. And uh, very interesting enough, there, if you notice, there was a few tribbles that moved. Yes. The ones that were on the like the side uh, the side railing of the Enterprise. Yep. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, Jim was challenged to find out how how to make one of these mop tops move. <laughs> so he mm -hmm. came up with this. 
and she took a picture of the underside of this particular tribble. <laughs> and, oh, nice. and there you'll find that it was actually a little mechanical dog, <laughs> which if you look closely at the, uh, at the photo that she took, uh, the wiring is cut, but it was wired to have a little battery or batteries in it. Yeah. That he could work remotely. So it was like a remote, an old remote control uh, toy dog that would walk across the room. Well, he sort of glued it, screwed it. I don't know what he did, but he got sure, it attached sure. to the underside of the Tribble. And that's how that little Tribble walked across the, the bridge. And, uh, you know, what's funny is when we were getting ready to do the show, you, you uh, mentioned that you thought that um, one of them that... that uh, he had attached uh, one to part of a skate. And when you said that, I, for some reason, my mind immediately went to the fish, a skate. A fish, a skate, <laughs> like, yes. like, did he staple it to a fish and then flopped around? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but uh, no, you well, actually some of them, some of them he had wired. Skate. Yeah, yeah. That, that would flip up. You know, some of them that would, like the ones that would uh, react to the Klingons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So he, he would he would have them wired, but when I first when she first sent me these, he, she texted these to me. I, I I looked and I it looked like a like the underside of a skate. But when I look closer, there's four legs to it, and it's actually a dog, a an, an old mechanical remote dog that he rigged up. And it's a, basically it's a it's a cloth, it's a, some fabric interior with uh, some fuzzy. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, it's Trump. <laughs> well, it's a, or Shatner's Shatner's toupee is yeah, what uh, toupee. Living says. <laughs> so that's a uh, part of uh, Leslie's treasures that she she and her husband kept. Her husband's uh, father kept that she kept uh, from her father-in-law. He died in two thousand five, I believe. Okay. So, uh, well, uh, it was a few years before I met Leslie, but. Uh, I am sure that I'm going to wangle one of these tribbles from her. Wangle? <laughs> You're going to wangle? I'm going to wangle one of these tribbles. Where, what, I like to get this one wasn't there that something, walks. Wasn't there some clip we played recently about somebody trying to wangle something? Wangle? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. But, uh, oh, yeah, he, he yeah. Came it, up was, with, he, it was the, uh, it was the uh, uh Harry Morgan's uh, uh, recipe for BB cube. <laughs> oh yeah, somebody, yeah. It must have people have been head. trying to wangle this from me for years. <laughs> yeah, wangle this from me for years. Yeah. He also uh, the, the the tricorder in uh, City on the Edge of Forever. Uh, he had to rig that up, and they had a they had to go to an old radio shop to find old tubes, vacuum oh, tubes. Uh, yeah, to make I just up watched. That. I just watched that whole rig. Yeah, that was impressive. So he's, he, they had to go to a, a radio shop and get all vacuum tubes, mm -hmm. and he had to figure ways to make that thing all light up. And what killed him was uh, was that eventually in the sh in the show he had to blow it up. <laughs> so, wow! After well, all that work, yeah. So that's really. that's Jim Rugg, and so look well, for his you. name uh, uh, at the end of all the episodes. You'll see special effects, Jim Rugg. Awesome! Thank you for that that little bit of history there, Joe. That's that's impressive, and uh, oh, nice. yeah. Leslie, the Galileo uh, Seven was his too, by the way. He, he built it. Very cool, very cool. So, yeah. all, all right, uh, but yeah, Miles, uh, uh, I, go ahead and hop in. 
I have a quick uh, quick challenge I'd like to give everyone to for the at the end of the segment. Um, you know, everyone, there are special names given to animals for groups, like a pride of lions, a pod of whales. So my <laughs> challenge is think of a word to apply to a group of tribbles. And uh, before we end the segment, we'll ask what everybody, okay. what word right. everybody comes up with. So uh, back to the trivia. The um, Regarding the tribbles themselves, um, getting back to it. Uh, there we go. Uh, a producer, uh, David uh, Gerald, said they received a lot of fan mail asking where they could buy a triple. That's not surprising. And one of the fan letters, this is the surprising one, one of the fan letters was very angry and accused them of blatant animal cruelty. Oh, boy. <laughs> that, that just struck me as just like, wow. I would recommend, so, if, if, if I were them, I would have said, look in the comic book next to a sea monkey's ad, and you can order one there. Yeah, yeah no kidding. <laughs> yeah. So, um... Uh, somewhere in the middle of the uh, the episode, uh, uh, Doctor, you know, uh, Bones comes out and describes the uh, animals as uh, bisexual. And that's not technically the correct term is hermaphroditic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so that that little uh, mistake happened in the show. Um, so uh, during the. Mm -hmm. Oh, I was going to say, I do have a quick clip here from Spock talking about the reproduction rate uh, of the Tribbles uh, right after sure. uh, right after Kirk gets bombarded uh, by opening that hatch. So uh, here's this. They seem to be gorged. Gorged? On my grain? They ate your space wheat. Kirk, I am going to hold you responsible. There must be thousands of them. Hundreds of thousands. 1,771,561. That's assuming one triple, multiplying with an average litter of ten, producing a new generation every twelve hours over a period of three days. And that's assuming that they got here three days ago. And allowing for the amount of grain consumed and the volume of the storage compartment. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but go ahead, Miles. Uh, so the the inspiration for the episode of uh, uh, Tribble, it was um, based on the introduction of rabbits in Australia back in oh, 1859. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking about rabbits and their reproduction rate and everything. And, you know, so that, that's, that's, oh, that's the fascinating. rabbits in Australia went crazy though. It was, mm -hmm. it was insane. Yeah. The, uh, this is another point brought up in the show is that the tribbles were put in an, an area where they had no natural predators. There was yes. no, you know, and if, um, Memory serves. Yep, I remember there was a Star Trek animated series. Yes, and in that series, I remember a scene where there was they showed a creature that was a natural predator of Tribbles. It was a little red four-legged doodad that walked around and ate them or whatever. But uh, that I do remember that. Um, yeah. hmm? I'm sorry. I just said yeah. So. Um, <laughs> apparently that scene where Shatner was trapped underneath a avalanche of tribbles, mm -hmm. um, he was legitimately annoyed. The, uh, Shatner was legitimately annoyed because the, 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 the crew 
uh, up there that was responsible um, for controlling the uh, falling of the tribbles continued to pelt him with trebles, trebles um, after the fact. So there are scene. if you watch the scene, it's on YouTube, you can see where Shatner kind of just glances up uh, through the hatch at the uh, the crew that's up there and is every so often throwing down something and hitting him on a shoulder or a head or whatever. But uh, yeah, that, that's, uh, that annoying look he has, that's not faked. <laughs> that's... That's real method acting there. He's uh, yeah. embracing that 100%. <laughs> um, one th another uh, touch off on because uh, this episode is remastered. They, it's based on in, for uh, Deep Space Nine, where they travel back in time. I honestly, I, I will, uh, full disclaimer, I have not seen this. I've not watched enough of Deep Space Nine to have seen this episode. But I am aware of it. It's called uh, Trials and Tribulations. Yeah, and, yeah. But I do have. I did hear about this bit of trivia, where they took the footage of the original Star Trek and they computer enhanced all the frames of the the, the show. But they did such a good job. They did too good a job. They had to dull it down. Because one of the things that came out when they super enhanced the clarity is they could see a coffee stain on Leonard Nimoy's shirt <laughs> that, that stood out. And they're like, oh, yeah, no, we can't make it look that sharp. <laughs> we got it. We got it. You know, because old school television, the, the, you know, the resolution is horrible. But with modern technology, they were able to take the film and you know crisp it up and like, oh shit, there's a there's a coffee stain <laughs> on, <laughs> on Nimoy's shirt, so they had to back it off a bit. That 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 amused me, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, the power the power. But anyway, so yeah, there's a New Space Nine episode that's based on this particular ep old school episode, and uh, I've seen a few clips, and it's it's very amusing. Well, uh, 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 oh. I, I have I have one last audio clip, uh, but it, 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 All right. it um, and it is the uh, solution that uh, <laughs> I, 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 this is a, I, I think it's it's the very end of the episode, and it's like um, Kirk uh, goes to sit down in his captain's chair, and he uh, and he, he he pauses before he sits down because he thinks he might sit on a tribble. And then he realizes there's no tribbles around, and he talks to the crew and asks, "Hey, what happened?" <laughs> and uh, and he finally gets an answer. Uh, and I'll play this and then let you wrap it up. I don't see any tribbles around here, and you won't find a tribble on this entire ship. Jim. Bones, how did you do that? Well, I cannot take credit for another man's work. Scotty did it. Scotty, where are the tribbles? Oh, uh, Captain, it was really Mr. Spock's recommendation. Of course. Spock. Based on computer analysis, of course. Taking into account the possibilities of... Gentlemen, I don't want to interrupt this mutual admiration society, but I'd like to know where the tribbles are. Tell him, Spock. Well, it was Mr. Scott who performed the actual engineering. Mr. Scott. Where are the tribbles? I use the transporter, Captain. You use the transporter? Aye. Well, where did you transport them? 
you didn't transport them into space, did you? Captain Kirk, that'd be inhuman. Well, where are they? I gave them a very good home, sir. Where? I gave them to the Klingons, sir. Gave them to the Klingons? Aye, <laughs> sir. Before they went into warp, I transported the whole kit and caboodle into the air engine room, where there'll be no trouble at all. Ah. Very, very funny. <laughs> and, of course, one of those classic laughing at the end of an episode TV shows. Uh, <laughs> But no, that was that was great. I loved that whole, uh, you know, um, where Kirk's like, "Okay, stop patting each other on the back." What happened? Yeah, <laughs> and amazing fun, though. <laughs> the mutual <laughs> admiration society, or whatever he said. Yeah, that was good. So, uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's how you do it. And uh, it, in um, you know, I, I guess that was Scotty's uh, uh, real last hurrah from the uh, the the bar fight, right? Oh, yeah. a parting, a parting shot, if you will. Yes. Yeah. So to, to the Klingons and uh, well, a well deserved one that that. that. Um, so this this little bit of trivia I found interesting. So anytime there's a TV show, and the writers are collaborating and talking about, well, we can put this little in, this bit in, that bit in, whatever, and so it goes through a process. Things are talked over, and parts are removed or added, etc. So. There was um, uh, David Gerald. Uh, he suggested a subplot that involved two companies engaging in a mutual corporate espionage, with with, uh, with each sabotaging the others' others' efforts to colonize Sherman's planet. Oh, yeah. And so you know, and and the, the triples would have been an element of this sabotage. Blah blah blah. This subplot was rejected with a scrawl of a you know, big business angle out in the margin uh, uh, because in 1967 in the eyes of the show's sponsors uh, shock shocker there it was utterly unacceptable to suggest that any corporation even centuries in the future might ever engage in behavior that was less than completely and shiningly ethical oh yeah Wow. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I found that uh, uh, that's the power that, you know, sponsors have over uh, show content, people. Yeah. So, uh, uh, it's a shame, but yeah, we could have had that. Um, would have been so interesting. On, um, what? That would have been interesting. It would have. Oh, yeah. I, I, I would I would think so. Uh, so the Klingon captain was played by William Campbell, who showed up as the Trelane uh, the the squire of squire of Gothos, yeah, very smarmy uh, Klingon. He got he got recycled, and apparently, uh, after this episode, his neighbor's son addressed his wife as Mrs. Klingon. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Oh no. Uh, Let's see. Uh, I, I've I've jumped around a bit, so it's harder for me to pick it uh, and choose some of these. Uh, oh, that's okay. A lot of things were, were uh, recycled. Uh, props were recycled. Oh, uh, uh, the 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 tribbles themselves. It is reported that a tribble could be found on the set weeks after this episode was taped. <laughs> <laughs> I funny. bet. I bet they did that. This would be fun. Yeah. So, um, 
All right, already handled that one. Probably not one of those fancy mechanical ones, though, with a with a little toy no, dog in no. it, like Joe's Probably friend. Probably one of those little fluffy ones, that, you know, like yeah. the white ones. You notice there was a lot of different colors, but predominantly it was like the 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 Trump toupee triple. <laughs> it, yeah, it was it was uh, much. Yeah, it was uh, it, you know coincidence. Orange and crappy brown. Yeah. yeah. Um, All right, uh, I'll wrap it up with, uh, so Koloff, Captain Koloff is the um, uh, captain of the uh, Klingons. He was a, he was intended to be a recurring arch nemesis of Kirk, but apparently that just didn't work out, you know, and, uh, well, lucky for mm. Kirk, at least he doesn't have a 12-year-old arch nemesis. That, that would suck, <laughs> unlike some uh, people we know. Uh, <laughs> Harlequin uh -huh. talking to you. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry. Uh, we just Michelle. I just started watching. Yeah, uh, the, watching the Harlequin. Harlequin. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I I have only seen one episode of that. So sorry. Spoiler. You'll no, love it. That, it's fun. That's fine. So uh, yeah. And oh, uh, alternate titles for the show that were flown out and obviously shot down. The fuzzies. <laughs> the fuzzy thing happened to me. And you think you've got tribbles. <laughs> wow. So, uh, earlier, I, so I asked everyone to try and think up a word to describe a group of tribbles. Has everyone caught a word they'd like to forward? I have one. Ready? An ishkabibble of tribbles. Ishkabibble. Okay. Yeah, ishkabibble was a comedian uh, and a cornet player. <laughs> so, ah. <laughs> uh, you got one, Joe? Uh, tribe. Tribe of Tribbles. Thank you. Excellent. And Michelle? Craven. A, cra a Craven of Tribbles. Craven? Craven of Tribbles. Craven. My first instinct okay. would, was going to be a trouble of Tribbles. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> my uh, my word is orgy. Oh, my Lord. So. It, it actually fits. It does fit. Yeah, <laughs> you, didn't have the, you didn't have the clip when Spock said, or uh, I think it was, no, it's it uh, Bones. As far as I can tell, Captain, they're born pregnant. Yeah, I did not get that one, so uh, that I, I dropped the ball. On, I dropped the triple on that one. So you did. You, you uh, dropped the triple. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, we're not going to drop the triple uh, in this next uh, hour, our final hour here, because Michelle has some amazing uh, factoids for us about Chuck Connors. Some trailers uh, uh, in tow from some of his horror offerings, and um, and I have a great, great scene uh, audio from a scene that will make you your skin crawl from one Chuck Connors. So, and we're gonna do the the trailers a little different because I want to play at least uh, two of them, uh, and I have some fun facts about them. But we do have another trailer for our next break with the Incredible Shrinking Man, uh, so we can uh, talk about uh, or you know have a little uh, hat tip there to William Shallard from Trouble with Tribbles. But on that note, we'll be right back with more right after this. I think I'm gonna be sick. And now on with the show. Computers make excellent and efficient servants, but I have no wish to serve under them. Group. It's going to be a good night. In Payton, from Cleveland, Ohio. Only 
some mutated beast. Back from the dead. Kept alive by experimental science. Science runs amok when human beings tamper with unknown forces. Cut the power! Now at last, the real shocking story can be told. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. A nightmare combination of shock and terror. And you're invited. Foolish hunter. Something evil. It came from Cleveland and brought along the flying monkeys. Not recommended for impressionable children. No, not. Not at all. No, no child wants to see flying monkeys. Uh, I know they terrified me as a child. Welcome back uh, to It Came From Cleveland, Episode 2. Uh, thank you so much, Miles, for all of the fun facts about Trouble with Tribbles. The Trouble yep. with Tribbles. And thank you, uh, Joe, for uh, getting the actual uh, photos of real Tribbles for us for uh, a visual aid. That was amazing. I love those photos. Absolutely. But yeah, thanks, Joe. No problem. So, and we'll see what uh, else we could dig up. Maybe she yeah. had the Galileo Seven laying around in her garage. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, sure. Yeah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> they got a like a four car garage. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, and uh, and of course, Michelle. Uh, here we go. We're gonna delve into um, some a uh, little bit of little bit of horror here. So I've got your horror music set up for you. We still got to make you a new uh, uh, intro for this, but uh, we're going to... Uh, Chuck Connors, uh, his birthday is today. Uh, and he is a, 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 a just another Hollywood legend. He was born 1921, Brooklyn, New York, and his uh, face has graced uh, television and uh, the silver screen um just for decades uh, a lot of westerns but he did a lot of great horror stuff and i want to talk about that with you right now so where do we start let's just talk about uh chuck uh actually he's not chuck actually it's kevin joseph alonzo's chuck connors so oh. there you go wow look at that so. Yeah, so, so Kevin Joseph Connors was actually his name, 1921, as you said. He um, he died in Brooklyn, New York, which is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, it is. You know, it, it, since he, he hails from Brooklyn, but again, he was in a lot of westerns and, and, and whatnot. So. Yes, and he, he died uh, November 10th, 1992 in Los Angeles. But, you know... Um, yeah, he's a, he's an amazing actor. He, I, I, mostly known for his westerns, yes. Yeah. But he did have some really fun uh, horror uh, creds. Yeah. And but, um, there was the one that we both. If you it, actually, if you don't mind, if we could talk about the one that stands out most from 1979, first that would be first trap. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> because I, uh, this is a movie that I had never seen until a few years ago. 
And when I saw it, uh, I was blown away because this is like kind of, uh, uh, honestly, it should have been a franchise. And what's funny is about this movie is actually it fits with my normal segment because um, this movie has an actress in it that was in another movie. And, and I'm, uh, I'm sorry, not in another movie, but a movie, a TV series. That I like as well. So there you go. Yeah, and uh, 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 are you talking Charlie's Angels? No, I'm talking Fantasy Island because Fantasy oh. Island has more horrific aspect. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. But uh, 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 and that actress is Tanya Roberts because she was Tanya in Fantasy Roberts. Island. Yeah, was she in? Uh, wasn't she in Charlie's Angels or no? Yes, she was. Charlie's she was. Angels doesn't fit a horror aspect. Oh no, Fantasy- I, under- I understand that. Yeah. As far as I, I'm concerned, Fantasy Island does have the horrific aspect because at the end of Fantasy Island, pretty much you have um, a Rourke, Rourke going against the devil. Ah. You have to you have to remember that that the whole it was it was episodic, but um, also individual. They were it was mm-hmm. almost like it was an anthology episodic series. Yeah. But Rourke was always against he was the agent of light versus the ancient the agents of darkness. Yes. If you think about it. So And it also, you know, the the horror trope, be careful what you wish for, was always present Correct. in uh, Fantasy Island. So but, that's uh, what I like about Yeah. Oh yeah, well, tourist tourist trap is an insane movie because it, it really starts off in a in a, a it it feels like it's it's pretty lighthearted at the beginning. Well, it's kind of like um, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre meets you know. Actually, it's it is actually like a lot. It's <laughs> I'm sorry. It's no, a that's lot okay. like Massacre. It is very similar. So, uh, well, it, uh, if you want, I could just go ahead and run the trailer for that right now, and then I have a fun fact about the trailer. But then we can we can uh, uh, the narrator of the trailer, as it were. Um, yeah. But uh, here, let's let's go ahead and run the trailer, and I also have that uh, the audio from a scene in Tourist Trap as well. So. Here we go. Here's the trailer from Tourist Trap 1979 starring the late Chuck Connors. Every year, hundreds of young people travel the country and disappear. God help those who get caught in the tourist trap. (laughs) Tourist Trap, where beautiful young people looking for excitement are tricked See you. 
terror you can feel. Heart-stopping suspense that makes this the nightmare that never ends. Crazy's going on at the tourist trap. <laughs> Something crazy is going on at the tourist trap. <laughs> I mean, oh, no. That crazy because you're, techni you're technically a telepathic, um, telekinetic uh, bad guy who has a mannequin fixation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But now, real quick, I heard that trailer and I was like, wait a second, that trailer was narrated by none other than Danny Dark. I don't know if anybody's familiar with Danny Dark. If you were a fan of cartoons in the 1970s, you might have recognized his voice as being Superman from the Super Friends. Uh, here, uh, point in case, here's a 30-second clip. Superman, portrayed by Danny Dark, with an anti-drug short from the Super Friends. Here, listen. Superman, man, am I glad to see you. What are you doing on this deserted road? Some guys from school drove out here and we're going to start fooling around with drugs. When I told them all drugs do is mess up your head and get you in a lot of trouble, they kicked me out of the van and drove off. You're right not to get involved in the drug scene. Nobody with any sense wants any part of it. How do I get home? That's no problem at all. <laughs> so yeah, Danny Dark, the uh, uh, one of the greatest uh, voice actors. He was the um, so sorry Charlie Tuna guy, wasn't he? Uh, oh, he might have been. Yeah, he did some commercial work for sure. So, uh, but yeah, so uh, Danny Dark, he, he died when he was like 65. Very young. Um, but anyway, yeah, so so Michelle. Uh, yeah, so, uh, but no, I recognize that voice. And that's what I love about, you know, that's why, you know, like, I'm always going to talk about like the William Conrad stuff and <laughs> like, Hey, that's William Conrad. <laughs> he, but, uh, but no, I, I just love identifying the voices of these narrators and everything, but the movie itself, um, uh, you know, very, very super creepy. And Chuck Connors is, um, I, I don't know. This, this, I, I felt like it was a really, really kind of out-of-character role for him, even though he'd done some other kind of creepy stuff in the past. Yeah, but he, didn't, he didn't do anything like this. You know, he was mostly like the, you know, in, in the Western series, as you said, and, mm. and a lot of made-for-TV movies. But this was really a freaky role for him. It, it was a brutal movie, too, because uh, they're, uh, you know... Uh, Again, he had a, a fixation on mannequins and masks and things like that. And his, uh, you know, like you said, it kind of had a Texas Chainsaw Massacre vibe, a, a heavy vibe like that. But Very much. his method of uh, murdering people was very different. 
and uh, very unique. And because what he, I go ahead. Yeah, because he was the evil twin. He thought of himself as the evil, uh, or at least uh, the the more morale moral of the two brothers. Yeah, he and was. Actually, uh, the one yeah. That caused the so he, he essentially played Mr. Slauson and Davy. But it turned out, weren't they one and the same in the movie? Yeah, because basically, no, actually, I think his brother had died or something. or he's, there, was, there was an issue, and it, and it yeah. came across. He was the only one left, so he had a split personality. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think that's it. So, uh, if you would like... I do have the um, Tina's death scene from Tourist Trap, which is Chuck Connors at his creepiest and finest, I think. Oh my God, yes, he is awesome. <laughs> it, it, awesomely awful. And uh, this is, uh, you know. In the, in the Werewolf series, he's pretty creepy as well. So yeah. we'll talk about that later. Absolutely. So, uh, anyway, here's a, a Tina's death scene at the hands of Mr. Slauson, a.k.a. Davey, from Tourist Trap. And, uh, yeah, you're going to crawl out of your skin here, folks. This is for you. No. No. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I'm going to set this up a little bit too, because I haven't, uh, and this is going to spoil the movie for everybody, but essentially what, uh, Mr. Slauson slash Davey does is he kills people by covering their faces in plaster and, you know, strapping them down so they can't remove it. And it is oogie. <laughs> it's bad. And, and once you hear him describing, the way Tina will die, uh, uh, you will uh, you will be upset. It's time. The party's over. Oh, you are so pretty. It's a shame you have to die. You panic 
as I seal the lips. bit of a uh, I think maybe a nod to uh Browning's freaks uh there as well the one of us um yeah, yeah. I, I, I put like the one of the pre-images in the chat so. yeah yeah so and uh but it kind of looks like pancake batter really thick pancake batter in the, uh yeah in but the if it's it's gonna look like that anyway so. yeah but uh, but yeah, so the, the, I'm glad uh, you know uh, this was um, you know I, I'm glad this horrible movie popped up for <laughs> when we're talking about Chuck Connors uh, because it is you know it, it fascinated me because it was one of those things that it, I think this could have become a, fr- a horror franchise, but um, I don't think it really caught on with a, a broad audience. No, but he did get uh, his his uh, due in a horror franchise, at least on the TV scale. Yeah. So, uh, any anything else about uh, this, or are you ready to uh, move on to uh, something else? I'm ready to go on to where he uh, went after this. All right. So uh, basically, um, after uh, yeah, you had the tourist trap here, and you had a few other TV movies, which we will hit some of those on our. Actually, I think we're going to do tourist trap and two other of those TV movies on the break, right? Uh, well, no, we have uh, uh for I I have uh, High Desert Kill and Werewolf. Uh, okay. So for audio. Okay. So what whatever so, you want me to play now, I'll play. Uh, so you just let me know. On the break, um, Werewolf was a TV series, which um, basically it, it um, it's actually kind of fun. It's basically about a young student called Eric Cord. He's a college student whose average life comes to an end at night when his roommate bites him. Yeah, and it, it infects him with it, like anthropy. So you know. That is, and the whole series is very fun because uh, he, he has to uh, search out and deal with the fact that he has become a world. Yes. And um, he eventually finds out he has to actually sever the bloodline, the original bloodline. 
And what's fun about the original Bloodline is it it, it actually is um uh Chuck Connors <laughs> who plays the, the 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 werewolf that is responsible for this poor Eric Cord's dilemma. Yeah, and it, it kind of um uh I'd never heard of this series and I think it was uh what on uh, uh nineteen eighty seven television series? Yes. Kind of felt like it had a vibe or it was at least partially inspired possibly by um, uh, an American werewolf in London. Yes. It was, but it was not really, it did not reach a lot of acclaim, so it only had like a one season. Mm-hmm. But it had 20 in an episode, so heck. <laughs> yeah, you know, and you know, it, it's kind of a precursor to a lot of uh, popular television series, the horror series no, that we have like, today. Like Buff or Supernatural or any of these series that actually had an episodic feel to them. And yes. that's why I chose it because um, it had some classic actor in it. It had a classic actor in it, but it had that feel that we had not been able to really enjoy until recently. So, yeah, exactly. And um, uh, so, do you want me to play those promos, the TV promos for Werewolf now, or hold them for the break? Let's hold them for the break because I, okay. I want to do the the, 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 the pass through. All right. So, yeah, we have Werewolf here. It's a fun episodic TV series. Check it out if you can. Um, but, you know, there are. I wanted to include a couple epi other episodic ones, like. Mm -hmm. um, Fringe. Yeah. Has anybody seen Fringe? I I have seen it. I, I uh, Joe Miles, have you seen Fringe? Yes. I have not. Kind of kind of <laughs> along the lines of the X Files, really. Yeah, very sci-fi, but it has some horrific elements to it. Mm -hmm. And the thing about Fringe, what connects it to what we are talking about tonight, has said it has Leonard Nimoy in it. Oh, mm. that I did not know. I didn't watch. Uh, I didn't. I, I think I probably only, only saw about six episodes of it. I only had three seasons. Mm. Leonard Nimoy was, I think, at the latter part of the second and the third season. Yeah. So. Interesting. But basically, basically, it's it, it's all about um, time travel, aliens, and um, the. The, uh, the the thing that makes your senses not true it's uh, like nightmares and stuff like that it's it's uh, a whole parallel universe type of a series yes yeah I do remember that aspect of it that it was um, uh, very uh, you know kind of mind bending you know and reality bending kind of um the uh, storylines. Main actress was in who was in it. Um, I don't remember his name offhand, but he played uh, Denethor in the Lord of the Rings. Oh, okay, all right. So was that the uh... John Noble? John Noble was his name. Okay, all right. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, I think. Let me see if that's the guy I'm thinking of. Yeah, John Noble. He um yeah, and he's uh, he's still kicking. He's seventy two. 
So, yeah. <laughs> uh, I w- I, for some reason, I was thinking he passed, but thank God he didn't, because I'm tired of talking about just dead people. So, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was a very, it was a very good kick into this series because it's another episodic TV series, but it yeah. had some horror elements, even with the sci-fi. I love the mm-hmm. sci-fi elements as well. Yeah. But there were some creepy, creepy episodes. Yeah, and it was uh, it was created by J.J. Abrams as well. So, a lot of the music too. And y- you know, if J.J. Abrams is involved, there's probably some sci-fi and probably some creepy. Yeah. And so. the, and the last thing I, I had to mention is, is um, Tony Roberts, Fantasy Island. Yeah, it, Tanya Roberts uh, again. Uh, you know, she was uh, uh, in uh, Tourist Trap and yes. Fantasy Island, Charlie's Angels, all kinds of stuff. And that's that's why I brought her up in this because I figured it was a good link through through the you know throughout the series. So, yeah. um, Fantasy Island was it was a fun uh, epi- uh, fun TV series, but there were some really creepy elements to that. Well, and they just did. Um, uh, 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 film, Fantasy Island. Um, yeah, but that was more, more teenage slasher type. I, it's not as yeah. much as. The, well, uh, but I think at least the at least they caught on to uh, the the creepy elements of it as an inspiration for the film. Whether we like it or not, they at least kind of you know kind of got the creepy vibe from it. And rest I in peace. I haven't watched it yet. But yeah. I saw the trail. Yeah, and rest in peace, Tanya Roberts. She just passed away this uh, past January as well. Right, but if you ever want to look at at the, uh, the the supernatural connection on Fantasy Island, look at Mister Rourke versus the Devil. It's it's basically uh, you know Ricardo Montalban versus um, uh, oh god, now I lost his name. It's here. <sighs> That's okay. That's okay. Oh, okay. Frightening. Um, the original Frightening. Um, mm. I love the actor. I, and I it sucks that I just lost his name. Oh God. What's no, that's okay. We'll we'll figure it out. Let me let me look up uh, Fright Night real quick. And uh, yeah, so it starred um, Chris Sarandon, William Ragsdale. No. Okay. Roddy McDowell. Yeah. Roddy McDowell. McDowell. That's it. Roddy McDowell. Ah, Planet of the Apes. Roddy McDowell. We, we, we've got, we're gonna. He played the devil. So oh. Mr. Uh, basically, uh, O'Rourke and the devil. It's amazing. Well, and we're gonna mention. Uh, we we got some Planet of the Apes uh, hat tips coming up uh, in our Twilight Zone review after the break too. So <laughs> that's good. And Roddy McDowell was in the first Lassie movie. That's oh, right. really? He played the little boy who lost Lassie. Oh, I love Roddy McDowell. He's an amazing mm. actor. And it sucks that I just, he, I blanked on his name completely. And oh, I know that name. I love that name. <laughs> oh, no, no. He, he's great. Uh, he was um, uh, Cornelius and Galen uh, in. Yeah. And, oh, Caesar. He, was, he played three apes. Uh, <laughs> so. Cornelius what? is my favorite. No, I'm sorry to say. What was Cornelius's last name? Smith. I I just no, remember. I'm just I kidding. I don't know. He didn't have a last name. I'm just being silly. So. Matalban. 
Montalban, yes. <laughs> oh, McDowell. Uh, but anyway, all right. Well, uh, good stuff there, Michelle. So coming up on the break, we've got trailers from, uh, well, we've got some TV promos from 1987's Werewolf starring Chuck Connors. We have High Desert Kill from 1990, a trailer, uh, also a weirdo sci-fi kind of uh, horror flick starring Chuck yeah. Connors. And I also have the trailer for The Incredible Shrinking Man, which is going to be on uh, Sven Gulli tomorrow night. And that, of course, stars William Shallert who was in uh, tr The Trouble with Tribbles as well. And also was the, uh, Patty Duke's father in The Patty Duke Show. Ah, that's right. That's right. So very cool. Thank they were cousins, that. identical cousins, remember? <laughs> that's right. So uh, very good. Thank you for that, Joe. I was trying to remember because he always kind of played a nice guy, but then he was... He was a bureaucratic uh, piece of garbage. You piece of garbage, you. Now, there's a tease for the Twilight Zone episode yeah. we're going to be talking about. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back with the final segment here on this edition of It Came From Cleveland. I'm going to make a wish. I'm going to make a big, tall wish. Tonight, you are about to begin a journey into terror. When the world isn't the same as our minds believe, then we are in a nightmare. And nothing is worse than a nightmare. Except one you can't wake up from. Two more kids were killed last night. The cycle has begun. Now there's silver bullets in that gun. You can end the curse by severing the original bloodline. What's happening to you? I did it. I killed last night, Kelly. You're one of mine, aren't you? I don't want to be like this. You come to kill me. <laughs> you gonna send a bounty hunter after this kid? What the hell you got in there? I don't know. Lock your doors. Turn off the lights. Find a chair that's comfortable and safe. Prepare yourself for Werewolf. Next. Eric Cord was just an ordinary college student until he was attacked by his roommate, a werewolf. Now he's running for his life, chased by a bounty hunter for the murder of his cursed friend. In pursuit himself of the evil werewolf Scorzani, the source of his bloodline, a beast who must die to set Eric free, a race against time and the bloodlust that threatens to overwhelm him. Now, werewolf, the legend continues. Weeks to come, the road Eric Cord must travel is a lonely one. One peopled by demons. The demon he pursues, Scorzani, a monster who must die to end Eric's curse. The demon inside him, the bloodlust that threatens to turn Eric into a killer out of control. And the demons that plague humanity, fear, greed, guilt, and revenge. 
But there are other travelers on this road that renew Eric's courage and hope. The strength of friendship, the love of a family, the warmth of a young girl's heart. Priceless and grasped for only an instant before they slip away. But they all remain allies in Eric's battle with evil, the evil around him, and the evil within, whose name is Werewolf. Something is out there. I ain't seen a game animal in a week. They've been spooked out of this part of the world, that's a fact. Watching. We did hear something big moving around last night. Waiting. You're right about the game up here. I don't even hear any birds. And now it's looking for humans. Killing ground. It's about to conduct the ultimate experiment in terror. I don't know anything on Earth that has this kind of power and sophistication. High Desert Kill, starring Mark Singer, Anthony Geary, Micah Grant, and Chuck Connors. A bloodthirsty alien force is manipulating humans with deadly intentions. The only hope for survival is to unite against it and turn its own power back on itself. Refreshing, says the New York Post. Be prepared for some shocks, warns the New York Daily News. High Desert Kill. The science fiction classic, The Incredible Shrinking Man. One of the best sci-fi films of all time. Scott, what was that? I don't know. Some kind of mist. Look at your chest. They still too loose? Sure, even the cuffs are dragging. They do look kind of big. I'm getting smaller, Lou, every day. Well, that's silly, honey. People just don't get smaller. There's no medical precedent for what's happening to you. I, I simply know that you're getting smaller. The x-rays prove it beyond any doubt. Are you going out? Yes, for a little while. Where? Well, just to the corner, to the store. You'll come right back? Well, of course I will. <laughs> An innovative film featuring fantastic special effects. Charlie, may maybe he's hurt someplace. Maybe he's lost. We've looked everywhere. With these bits of metal, I was a man again. If I was to die, it would not be as a helpless insect in the jaws of the spider monster. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm okay. What happened? What happened? Newkirk, what did you and Carter put in that bottle? The one marked furniture polish. No, that was nitroglycerin. <laughs> oh, Carter should have told you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I found that out for myself. You know, I really didn't mind that you didn't scratch the furniture polish off the label. But why did you have to leave that other thing on? Well, shake well before using. Right. <laughs> Ivan Dixon, of course, from Hogan's Heroes, uh, the star of the Twilight Zone episode we're about to talk about. That one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, but yes, thank you, Michelle, for all the Chuck Connors uh, goodness, the horror goodness, and uh, of course, uh, Miles for all, and Joe for all of the uh, the trouble with Tribbles info. Uh, that was a lot of fun. And, uh, of course, uh, we talked about Harry Morgan, Katie Sackhoff, and uh, a few other folks on the program tonight. And, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, I have some fun facts for you guys about this Twilight Zone episode. But, yeah, go Did ahead. Did I do okay? together? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for that. So, uh, but as uh, we do for uh, the second time now, our Twilight Zone review, we get Rod Serling to set it up. We get the opening Rod Serling narration for our episode, uh, which aired 61 years ago this very evening, uh, season one, episode 27, The Big Tall Wish. Tell us what it's all about, Rod. In this corner of the universe, a prize fighter named Bowley Jackson. 183 pounds in an hour and a half away from a comeback at St. Nick's Arena. Mr. Bowley Jackson, who by the standards of his profession is an aging, over-the-hill relic of what was, and who now sees a reflection of a man who has left too many pieces of his youth in too many stadiums for too many years, before too many screaming people. Mr. Bowley Jackson, who might do well to look for some gentle magic in the hard-surfaced glass that stares back at him. Oh, there it is. And then the feels start immediately in this episode of The Twilight Zone. So, uh, now, Joe, you actually have some real fun facts from uh, this Big Tall, The Big Tall Wish uh, episode of The Twilight Zone. You said you watched it in preparation for the show, and it reminded you of something. Yes. It was... Uh... It brought me back to a a show I saw in my youth in when I was youth. like youth, a young man, <laughs> those youths, a young man. <laughs> I was a young man of seven or eight years old, and I remember the old black and white TV we had, and Playhouse ninety was on. And this episode, which is about a prize fighter who's washed up and going to have his his last fight. It reminded me of a show from Playhouse 90 called Requiem for a Heavyweight, which was one of the classic, classic shows of the golden era of television. Won an Emmy Award. The interesting part was when I went to rewatch this this uh, show, which is on YouTube in its entirety, um, the screenplay was written by an unknown writer at the time who won a Peabody Award for this screenplay. It was the first television screenplay to win a Peabody Award and an Emmy. And his name was Rod Serling. Why? <laughs> so Rod Serling, this uh, Requiem for a Heavyweight uh, is where he made his bones. That's where he really came into light. And... Um, so when I watched the Twilight Zone episode, it just reminded me of is he is he recanting or recalling rather his his uh, mm -hmm. is he recalling his his uh, his great success with Requiem for a Heavyweight, which by the way I recommend everybody watch 
it's it's a wonderful Kim Hunter plays the female role in that that Playhouse ninety episode, and uh, you would know her as Zira. Yes, from the Planet of the Apes franchise. From Planet of the Apes, mm-hmm. and Stella Kowalski. <laughs> hey, Stella! <laughs> That's right. That was Kim Hunter. And uh, you are so lucky. I just was hovering over that clip when you said <laughs> that. But um, yeah, I and also I, I I watched part of it. I had to kind of scan through it because I've had a, a crazy busy week. I want to apologize to Adam too. Late last night, he did send me um, the mythical minutes, um, but I didn't see it. He sent it on Discord. I'm kind of split between Facebook and Discord on how I get messages. And again, I've been dealing with bureaucrats all week. So uh, we will save Adam's latest mythical minute for next week. And uh, if he has a second one, we'll have two. So we'll go go from there. Uh, but uh, yeah, I was scanning the episode and what, uh, you know, there were so many amazing actors in this uh, Requiem for a Heavyweight. And I clipped out a little scene between Max Bear, Max Bear Jr.'s dad, Max Bear Jr. from you know, Jethro on the Beverly Hillbillies, uh, playing opposite uh, Keenan Wynn, who was everywhere in the 60s and 70s. And I'll, I have a clip from him, but here's a here's a uh, like a 20 second clip from Requiem from a Heavyweight, um, uh, where. Uh, well, it's it, it's kind of uh, one of those um, manager boxer moments. Like, ah, oh, you're not cut out for this. You know, just go work in a drugstore, kid. But check it out. <laughs> Run home, kid, and work in a drugstore. I don't want to work in a drugstore. I want to be a fighter. All right, then get this straight. There are only eight champions. Everybody else are also ran. There's the good and the bad. The good is great. And the bad stinks. And the bad stinks. Give it a little world. <laughs> bad stinks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I saw that. And, and of course, if anybody doesn't know who Keenan Wynn is, um, uh, well, it, it, you would know his face and you would know his voice. And so I, I found a, a clip that I thought would probably be uh, the most recognizable um, uh, uh, role for him. One of the most, uh, Disney's Herbie rides again. He played the, the, the bad guy, Alonzo Hawk. And you're going to love this. You're going to love this clip. This is, this is on, on par with, um, Clark Griswold's rant in, uh, uh, National Lampoon's Christmas vacation. (laughs) Uh, so here you go. I'll tear his chicken liver gizzard to pieces. I'll stomp him silly. I'll take this letter knife and I'll stab that kid right in his ungrateful breastbone. You know me, Millicent. Normally I'm a kindly, fun-loving fellow. But when I get crossed, I go bananas. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, uh, yeah, Keenan Wynn, uh, instantly recognizable. But no, thank you, and Joe. In, for And in Requiem, uh, he... Keenan was playing opposite his father, Edwin. Oh, I did not know that. Edwin was the cut man in oh. the uh, Requiem for a Heavyweight, and Keenan Wynn was the manager. They were father and son uh, actor. And Cyrano Jones was in Requiem for a Heavyweight. 
That's right. The actor who played Sierra Jones. Mm -hmm. From uh, The Trouble with Tribbles. And a local uh, Hazleton, Pennsylvania man played the fighter, McClintock. And it was uh, Jack Palance. That's right. Yeah, Jack Palance. Talk about intense. Jack Palance and Chuck Connors, I, I think, were kind of on the same trajectory career-wise because they both did, like, westerns and horror. and Well, Palance did a lot of fantasy and sci-fi stuff, too. Because um, uh, Palance was in Hawk the Slayer, right? I think he played the villain. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, so, uh, but, no, thank you for that, Joe. Oh, I'm sorry. we got off track from Twilight Zone, but I just got sidetracked when I saw it because the Twilight Zone episode really blew me away. Oh, it, it was a beautiful episode. I mean, it, it, absolutely. And uh, but but yeah, we go ahead, Michelle. Lim was also in Turn in the Sky, Rodney McDowell. Rodney McDowell, there you go. I mean, seriously, the I. I you start to when when we start researching these different shows and everything, it seems like there's little clicks of like actors and writers and producers who work together, and mm-hmm. which is quite fascinating. And I wouldn't say click that that seems a little crass, but I think uh, the, it's the crossroads, the cross currents of people and talent that intersected with each other so mm-hmm. often. Yeah, and it's yeah. Amazing. Rodney McDowell was a lot was. In everything, as yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, as, I, as I mentioned, he was in the he was he played opposite Elizabeth Taylor in Lassie Come Home, yeah, the, the, the movie that made Lassie, and uh, that was Roddy McDowell, yeah, and then yeah. he's an ape, and then he's a chimpanzee. So, <laughs> it uh, took me off, I couldn't remember his name. I know him because I love him to death. No, he's that's one of my fun. favorite actors, but uh. No, that no, not a problem at all. And you know, and Roddy McDowell, had he lived a little bit longer, I think he kind of would have been the inheritor of of things uh, like um, roles that made there was Alec Guinness and all that. Well, I I was saying, I I think he might have been kind of the inheritor of of roles that might have gone to uh, Vincent Price uh, and whatnot. You know. Uh, but they were probably he and Vincent Price were probably about the same age though. Um, but uh, but yeah. So and someday I have a, a great story of Vincent Price and Bob and his father. Uh, oh. Yes, I want it's on the air sometime. We yes. will hear that. I'll t- I'll tell you that story sometime on the air about Vincent Price surprising Bob and his father with a uh, gourmet meal. Oh, <laughs> made in his dishwasher. It, 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 no, <laughs> no. It's 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 a long it's a long a little long story, but uh, we'll no, that's it okay. The, the, I think Michelle would appreciate that because uh, uh, Vincent Price actually mm-hmm. uh, cooked a fish. He's in a his great, dishwasher. great, really nice guy. Bob loved him, and his, Bob's father loved him. He was a spectacular guy. I he was. Him. He was a great guy. Big, his big guy. Fish washer. Um, yes. <laughs> so. But uh, anyway, so back to Twilight Zone, uh, season one, episode twenty-seven, the big tall wish. I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna make a wish. I'm gonna make a big tall wish. So, um, yeah, the uh, episode of uh, the big tall wish is um, uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, 
one of the most heart-wrenching episodes of The Twilight Zone I think I've ever seen. Uh, Bally Jackson, uh, played by Ivan Dixon, of, uh, again, uh, who was in Hogan's Heroes as uh, Kinch, POW so staff mad about sergeant. The effects, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and he, uh, so the episode starts out with him looking at his scarred up face and um, he, uh, uh, basically, the, there's this little kid who is, um, uh, played by Stephen Perry is this, uh, kid named Henry Temple. His mother's played by Kim Hamilton, um, and, uh, and she plays, uh, uh, Francis Temple. Interesting, just so, just so you know, Kim Hamilton was married to Werner Klemperer. From Hogan's Heroes. Really? <laughs> yes, she was. So we have two Hogan's Heroes connections on this episode. Um, uh, Werner Klemper, of course, uh, 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 Colonel Clink, and uh, who was also a uh, um, what do you, a conductor, uh, an orchestral conductor. Yeah, but yeah, they they were. Uh, he he was married before, but then. Um, he was married to Kim Hamilton, who played the mother, Frances Temple, um, uh, Kim Hamilton, um, until his death. So uh, that's a very interesting little, again, you know, two connections to Hogan's heroes. Yeah. And um, so the episode starts off with him uh, recollecting all the uh, uh, bully Jackson recollecting all of the uh, battle scars he had, essentially from being a boxer, uh, talking to uh, Henry Temple, his little buddy who he took to baseball games and hockey matches and things like that. And Can I just say, makeup mm -hmm. effects were horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the makeup effects were not that great. Yeah, and it looked like he had a putty nose that was not the correct color of putty. Yeah, yeah, you know... Um, but, uh, so he, he recollected, you know, he, he's pointing to his face where all the scars are and, you know, this happened in Chicago, this happened in Philadelphia, you know, whatever. Um, but, uh, the little kid played by, uh, uh, Stephen Perry, Henry Temple says, uh, says to him, you know, I'm going to make a big tall wish. Uh, well, he's, that's what he says. I'm going to make a wish. I'm going to make a big tall wish. That he doesn't get hurt in uh the match that he's in because he's he's kind of over the hill in terms of uh, you know a boxing career and but he's still going to go do it and you know there a whole bunch of other stuff happens where you know he gets in a, uh, a you know an argument with the uh, the fight promoter or manager or whoever he is and no uh, the, yeah yeah promoter this but this is a promoter in the worst possible sense he's such an evil oh, yeah. evil man yeah he's a he's a he's a butthole for sure and um and bali uh takes a swing at him and uh hits the wall and breaks his knuckles um on his right hand and uh joe do you care to describe what happens from there well uh at that point, uh, you know they're uh, they're wrapping. By, by the way, the the guy that was his his corner man was wrapping his his fist as they mm -hmm. do before they put them in the glove, and uh, Bully couldn't get his uh, his <clears throat> hand into the one glove because he broke all his knuckles. 
Yeah. When he hit that wall. And um, by the way, you would recognize the uh, the guy who was his corner man as uh, the toy man on Lost in Space. He was, yeah, I don't yeah. know, you remember him? And uh, anyway, Bully uh, puts on the gloves and goes out there into the ring anyway, broken knuckles and all, mm-hmm. and uh, attempts to uh, revive his career. And uh, I don't know how far you want me to go. He well, goes out to the ring. And, and, th- and uh, things don't go fight. so well. Huh? <laughs> and the things fight. don't go so well. Not, no, it's hard to fight uh, with broken knuckles. Yeah. Um, I think you would find. <laughs> so yeah. he gets in the ring and, um, well, predictably, we Bully th- gets knocked down. Yeah, we and we could pass that to Miles here. Uh, Miles, you want to uh, tell what happens after uh, Bully gets knocked down? Right. So Bully is down, and the count is started. And uh, as it progresses, that's when the boy uh, goes to the TV screen and starts making his wish. I want to make a wish. Classic. I want to yes. make a big, tall wish. Good. Which he does, and in classic Twilight Zone fashion, the uh, reality is skewed, and instead of Bowley being on the ground, it's the opponent, and uh, Bowley wins. Right. Yeah, and uh, and and after he wins, he heads back home, and he but he's convinced that he was he was on the mat, but nobody else remembers it. Everybody on the street. Is saying, no, you did great. You did great. Oh, it's incredible. And Michelle, the real heartbreak is when uh, Bowley goes up to the roof of the apartment building and uh, talks to little Henry. Yeah, little, little Henry's there. He's uh, tending some rabbits that are in the coop up there. And rabbits are, uh, rabbits or tribbles? No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So These are white rabbits. And he's he's petting them, and and Bully comes up to him, and and you know talks to to Henry, like Henry's like I I I know you would win, and and Bully's like yeah, but um I'm I'm pretty sure I was down on the, and Bully's like, and Henry's like no no it's okay, and Bully's like no I was down on the mat, and Henry's like no um it's it's all right everything's good, I I made the big wish, and Bully's like. Then you knew I was down the mat, and like Henry, like takes his 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 neck and brings it back to his, his chin. He's like, yeah, and and he's like, well, you can't do that. You know, there, there's no such thing as magic, and that's when it all goes south. Yeah, yeah. He basically. Sorry, it, it, it he, makes me really cry. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it basically, it's it's kind of uh, the idea of taking the idea of uh, you know magic it's and miracles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Taking magic and miracles and wishes away from a child and tell them to grow up and get over it. And what happens Thanks. then is is the wish reverses. Basically, the kid saying, "If you don't believe it, it can't come true. It's not going to be true if you don't believe it." And then the bully's like, "I can't believe it because magic is not real." And then it just reverses, and it's so yeah. Sad. 
And then Joe, his march home after the, the it reverses and bullies, you know, reality is, is switched. Bullies on the mat, gets counted out, and he does the walk of shame home. And oh, and I should I should add that you know when um, uh, uh, Henry made his wish, he said that you won't be hurt and everything. His knuckles weren't broken after he made right. his wish, and right. uh, but then you know when the wish is is flipped back, his knuckles are broken and he's doing the walk of shame back to the apartment. And Joe, you can take it from there. Yeah, and and there was a contrast there because when. Originally, when uh, the kid made his wish and he won the match, he was walking home and everybody in the neighborhood slapping him on the back. We knew you could do it. Great champ. You know? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a measure. It was a measure of uh, human nature because when he's making what you call the walk of shame. Yeah. After he l- then lost the match because he wouldn't believe in the wish. Uh, everybody's you know, like, you're a bum. You should you should have even got out of bed today, you yeah. Know, that kind of thing, and uh, you know he he goes back and uh, but the, the kid's mother you know still has feelings for him for Bully and and you know okay. she, he says you know I I know that uh, you know that the kid he says I I disappointed him and uh, he said. Well, she said, well, he's sleeping. And he says, well, could I go in and see him? And so she... And she said, he's probably waiting up for you. He's probably waiting up for you. Yeah. And uh, he was. And uh, he said, well, maybe, you know, he he talked to him. And he said, well, maybe we can... Maybe we can go to the zoo tomorrow. Or we could go to the park and have a hot dog. Hockey hockey game and a hot dog. Hockey game, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but the kid is no longer a kid because he says there ain't no thing is magic. Yeah. Wishes. But and then, when, the, when, when the really bad Bully, says when the, when the guy was, he was coming up the stairs. When the guy says, why didn't you use your right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause it was broken. It was broken. It was broken. But uh, so, Joe, I, I have a clip. I have a clip of, of after, you know, um, Henry says, you know, no, I'm over it. You know, there's no magic. There's no wishes. It's not true. Mm-hmm. And then Bowley says this. Maybe there is magic and maybe there's wishes too. I guess the trouble is, I guess the trouble is there's, not enough people around to believe. That's what it is. Yeah. That was the problem. Yeah. By the way, the, the, the guy that was the corner man that was rapping his thing, uh, there's a picture of him from uh, his uh, days in uh, Lost in Space. I'll post. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Oh, nice. Yes, I remember him. Oh, uh, you know, another fun fact I forgot about um, is uh, uh, from uh, Kim Hamilton. She was the only African-American to ever have a speaking role on Leave it to Beaver. Mm. Kim Hamilton, who played the mom of Henry, Francis Temple. uh, Well, Francis Temple, uh, mother of Henry. So uh, she had that distinction as well. Uh, but yeah, it was a. It, this episode was just loaded with the feels, and uh, it mm. was 
it was uh you know it was one of those i'm you know grabbing 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 a hanky wiping yeah, away tears yeah. <laughs> and if you're gonna go if anybody is gonna go and watch uh requiem for a heavyweight you need a whole box of tissues <laughs> <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> very good very good so uh uh but miles uh um uh, we didn't get back to you uh uh about this episode uh any final thoughts on this before we uh start wrapping things up no it, it it's a very um iconic um twilight zone episode of uh reality and then the uh, reality or or the the good being lost mm-hmm. because man doesn't accept the, the, the possibility that good things might happen it's yeah so it's a yeah very bittersweet very yeah there's there's this um you know you know the the the, the kid losing his belief in magic and the adult trying to hold on with just a but not enough you know it's you're, yeah very very classic uh, to, uh yeah on its own yeah, very hard to very hard to handle too. So, I'll tell you what. Uh, this was a great show. Uh, the robots will return, and I apologize to Adam because he did have a mythical minute for us, but I missed it um, because I have been a little bit crazy busy this week. But next week we're gonna have all kinds of fun here because we're gonna be celebrating some really fun birthdays as if we don't celebrate some fun birthdays every week um and well oh and by the way elizabeth montgomery bewitched how great is that we're going to be talking about her and and she was in a classic twilight zone episode too with the one and Mm -hmm. one and only uh um charles bronson we'll talk about that i'll also favorites I'll also be getting my first Moderna. I'm going to get Moderned. (laughs) My first Moderna. (laughs) And uh, we'll be reviewing Nice Place to Visit from the Twilight Zone and all kinds of other... I will be getting here here shortly. Yeah, so all kinds of other fun stuff next week. Uh, We'll be mentioning Charlie Chaplin, Peter Ustinov, Roy Clark going to be fun so don't miss out good night everybody thank you for listening to it came from cleveland i'm gonna make a big tall wish for all of you to have a wonderful wonderful weekend i'm gonna make a wish i'm gonna make a big tall wish I'll tear his chicken liver gizzard to pieces. I'll stomp him silly. I'll take this letter knife and I'll stab that kid right in his ungrateful breastbone. You know me, Millicent. Normally, I'm a kindly, fun-loving fellow. But when I get crossed, I go bananas. You piece of garbage, you. Maybe there is magic. Maybe there's wishes, too. I guess the trouble is, I guess the trouble is, there's not enough people around to believe.